0: Robin Williams' weirdest movie ever, Lord of the Rings, hits part two in the sequel to Knocked Up Nobody Asked for this week on 30-2010. 30-2010, 30-2010, 3
1: decades every show sometimes associated videos. 30-2010, 30-2010, surprises and excitement, yes, we're going to the 90s and 2000s and 2010s on 30 20.
0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Thirty Twenty Ten, the Laser Time Network's weekly pop culture time machine, taking you on a fun little journey across the milestones, the anniversaries of all the cool movies, TV, uh, video games, music, and very much more. Thirty, twenty, and ten years ago—get it? Hi, I'm one of your hosts, Chris Santista. Who else is with me?
2: I'm Diana Goodman, the very white, and I come to you now at the turn <laughs> of the tide.
3: Oh, uh, couldn't stop saying that all weekend. And who else? Uh, and I'm J.R. Rawls, and. Potatoes, boil them, mash them, stick them in a stew. Lovely big golden chips with a nice piece of fried fish. Well,
0: that is, uh, I think we all referenced the same movie there, but it's a big <laughs> one and a great one and a, and a really great palate cleanser after what we spent most of our time talking about in last week's episode. Apologies. Uh, welcome to 30 2010, December 16th to the 22nd. We'll be looking back on the years 1992. Uh, 2002 and 2012 in that span of a week Uh, it's almost Christmas uh, we got to thank our patrons patreon.com slash we just recorded a great episode on the dark crystal uh, for another 80s in depth Uh, very 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 much fun I've been screaming about Jim Henson all week as a result of that. Hopefully, you'll have some fun stuff to say in the comments. Sick of Star Wars, we need to record Jedi as soon as we can, because that's the most requested idiots in Death* episode for next year. But well, yeah, more stuff coming your way. Patreon.com slash time. Give us five bucks, and we'll love you and give you stuff in return. Let's move on to the show. 1992. Oh,
2: we have to, because this is going to be a long show. I think
0: so. <laughs> Besides yeah.
2: the, just the Lord of the Rings, there is a ton of stuff, and I'm just declaring it right now. This episode is a salute to production design.
3: Yeah, that's a good way to.
2: You know, fancy sets. And you
3: know what the the production production design used for good, and production (laughs) design used for evil. (laughs) Evil, I
0: say. I I will get into this more next year, but um, uh, like my movie awakening kind of comes with Jurassic Park, and after that, it's like, I want to see nothing but movies all the time, and when I look at this list, I remember touching every VHS, and I think that has a lot to do with when Jurassic Park came out, and when I'm like, I need to start renting every movie, and it's like every movie in this segment that yeah. that I remember, like, I fuck, oh, I love this guy, I gotta get it, gotta yeah. devour it.
2: You're right, six months from now is Jurassic yeah. Park, so... That's about the turnaround Jesus. on on VHSs.
0: Yeah,
3: that is a watershed <laughs> date.
0: Yeah, it, it, for me, it, uh, it feels very weird because like I have no relationship with any of these movies in theaters. I have many, many memories of them on VHS. And I did not buy them.
3: I have a relationship with one in theaters, which I will talk to in a rant that I will try to keep down to do 90 minutes, maybe 85 minutes.
0: <laughs> OK, OK. Well, let's let let <laughs> a little bit of news to bring you to the Wonder World, 1992, December 16th to the 22nd. It is the 20th anniversary of the final landing on the moon, December 19th, 1972. They stopped it before I was born.
3: What a bummer. Yeah, yeah. Arthur C. Clark, I think, uh, I couldn't get confirmation of this, but this is my memory, once said, I was never so optimistic to think that I would shake hands with the first man to walk on the moon, but I was also never so pessimistic to think I would shake hands with the last man yeah. to walk on the moon. That's been the case. It has been 50 years since we walked on the moon. Mm -hmm. and the chances are all of the people who walked on the moon are going to be dead before someone else walks on the moon again
0: it is it is weird to abandon a watershed project like that but i think we all understand why what are we to do
3: with the moon it went too early it was an incredibly amazing feat of engineering and science but it was too far too fast we didn't have the technology to really have it make sense to go to the moon when we went so the last person to walk on the moon had a very touching story to say and i think this clip is pretty moving honestly okay walking up the ladder
1: was probably one of the most memorable moments for me because i looked down at my footprints and i knew i wasn't coming this way again why were we here what did it mean I looked over my shoulder, and there's the earth. There's reality. There's home.
3: I I wanted to I wanted to press the freeze button. I wanted to stop time. I really wanted to reach
0: out, put it in my hand, stick it in my space, and bring it home and show it to everybody. That is kind of a profound statement and as someone who grew up loving like old-timey sci-fi there is our reality will always be in our lifetimes will always be on earth that
3: is always where our reality will be no matter where our dreams are but Mm -hmm. almost everyone who Uh, has been to outer space describes it in transcendental terms like literally Mm -hmm. so like it's a mystical experience to go to outer space yeah yeah
2: yeah. Um, I had no idea that our lunar program was so short. It's three yeah. years, two mm-hmm. and a half. From, three years, because it was December yeah, the, of
3: 69 to December nice. of 72. So we were no, landing July, on the moon.
2: July 69.
3: Oh, was it July? Okay. It's still July, nice. It's
2: July, it's July 20th. It's the day before my birthday.
0: Okay. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. It's That's a bummer. I remember my parents telling me that while I was studying plans, like, we don't go to the fucking moon anymore? Who? Nope. I wasn't going to get interested in any of this stuff if you told me I could never go to the moon. Okay. And the last bit of (laughs) news I had for this, when I was a young kid, two of my neighbors drove Isuzu's. And I did look into this just a couple months ago. What the fuck happened to Isuzu's? And this is the month where they stopped manufacturing vehicles. And the brand was so kind of unpopular. I think that's what Geo's were. They were a Zuzu-made cars relabeled as Geos, and they still ah. sell. I think they don't make passenger cars uh, anymore, for, at least not for the West. And they reskin them uh, via Chevy or something like that. But yeah, I haven't. They had a bunch of Zuzu uh, Man ads in the '80s, and it's yeah, totally Joe dried Zuzu. up. Joe Zuzu, it totally dried <laughs> up. And this is the last. I think the one more will roll off the assembly line next year, but they've announced this is it. No more Zuzus for you Americans. And uh, with that out of the way, let's get into the movies of 1992, where A Few Good Men is still number one at the box office. A taut legal drama with talking plenty has, has captured the country's attention. Very strange. Uh, this is one of those first movies I remember seeing as a little kid because it had, at the time, one of the most dependable movie stars in the world. And it's how could this not be for me? It wasn't, and it still isn't. Uh, we got Lucas Haas, Liam Neeson, Lolita Davidovich, Deborah Winger and Steve Martin in Leap of Faith. Are you ready, Bob? Are you ready for a miracle? Part showman. I
3: hear Satan knocking, but he can't come
0: in. Part salesman.
1: We don't need no preacher selling us a lot of bunk. I'm not selling
3: bunk, friend. I'm giving it away.
0: Messiah of the Interstate.
1: Take a whiff at what just
2: walked in. Special today steak. No river, no fish, no ham, no spinach.
0: An awful lot of
3: nose there, Marva. No lip.
0: It's, it's Leap of Faith. Steve Martin is a. Uh, what kind of preacher would you call this? Uh, is he a scoundrel a man? artist,
1: the
2: faith <laughs> Yeah.
0: And, 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 it, and, on, and on paper, what a perfect role for him. Michael Keaton was supposed to be in this backed out at the last minute, and they just happened to ca- uh, like get a physical comedian who also knows sleight of hand <laughs> and magic tricks. How could this be a bad role for Steve Martin? But it's just, yeah, I hated seeing him in it.
1: Oh, no,
2: I, I think it's a great role for him. Yeah. I mean, I think he's probably the best thing... About the movie because mm. it's about yeah he's a you know he's a, a con man and their trucks break down in this town they set up the tent revival and then like what if there really was a miracle oh, does See, it matter uh, if people believe or not if it has results and mm. like yeah actually it does yeah, it,
3: it does um <clears throat> sorry that's a big problem i had with this film is mm. some faith healers in real life are straight up con men Others are genuine religious believers who genuinely believe they are performing miracles. Now, Steve Martin starts as the former, he ends as the latter, but the movie's message is completely blown away by implying that miracles are real. I don't think (laughs) that works. I don't think that makes the movie better by implying that miracles are real. It just muddles things too much.
2: Yeah, well, because if you called the movie placebo effect, it wouldn't be as much fun
3: <laughs> yes yeah
2: yeah it, it, it's a weird one like i can't quite recommend it it was better than i remembered it being mostly just because of steve martin doing sneaky i'm smarter than everyone else stuff mm-hmm. and that was fun and then you know it does come to the turn of like oh fuck i've been lying this whole time but it's working this is this is not how this is supposed to go
0: and how is this the movie that makes him dye his hair
1: yeah,
0: I don't know why. <laughs> like he's why, why this movie? Like we know. We, everybody we know. Everybody knows. Everybody knows what Steve Martin looks like. Uh but yeah. if you'd like to see him with br- like odd oddly brown hair, this is the film for you. I thought it was it, It's
3: mm. It's odd though. Uh I grew up watching faith healers not by choice but because they were just on television okay and you know i was required by law to watch eight hours of television a day so sometimes (laughs) i just flip through the channels and it's okay we'll watch this faith healing thing and i was never really into it but it was just this background thing that I think, is part of the monoculture TV thing that isn't around anymore. My yeah. my kids will never flip on a faith healer on Netflix, for instance.
0: Nickelodeon and Nicktoons changed all that for me. Sunday television worth watching. I don't have to
3: go outside anymore. This is wonderful.
0: Pete and Pete. Renstein. are fucking and
2: golf and 700 yeah. Club. God damn it. God damn
0: <laughs> uh, Bowflex commercials, as far as the eye can see. Uh, but it, it, it's so weird. This is a Steve Martin kind of, doing something that's kind of out of his wheelhouse. And you could say the same thing for another comedian in the next film, which is one of the like most deeply weird films I've ever seen in my life. That is, I've never once seen it in a viewing that was in any way satisfying or good. <laughs> but, I, but I've been compelled to watch it many times jamie fox and his film debut oh jack warden love jack warden donald o'connor ll cool j who i didn't i don't know that i'd seen in a movie before robin wright joan cusack michael gambin and uh robin williams it's toys which i should say barry levinson's toys the movie toys i think the t i think the trailers are the most famous and memorable things about them
2: yes it literally is just Let's put Robin Williams down in Hawaii in a film of sh- in a big, beautiful green field of sugarcane
0: and weird hat, and just
2: let him go. Let, just him go. let him go. Have you heard about the new movie, Toys? No.
1: Oh, great. Oh, bitch. <laughs> They didn't hear about the movie, Toys. <laughs> it's oh, <laughs> oh, 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 coming out of Christmas.
0: So I I won one I love trailers that like have like a fourth wall breaking plea to see this movie we made. Two like uh this was deeply weird to see both on television and if you saw it in theaters and it's
1: mm-hmm. it's crystallized
0: uh, even more so by that uh, episode of The Simpsons with George uh, not George Burns uh, Charles Montgomery Burns with the same in the same hat in the same uh, field of grass promoting his movie. You know what was he promoting? I forget.
3: But um, yeah, toys, toys, toys. So I did see this in theaters. Wow. It was oh, Christmas Day. Boy. I uh, dragged my mom to go see it because we were looking for things to do on Christmas Day, recently uh, divorced. So it wow. was, I think, maybe our first Christmas by ourselves or maybe, maybe not, but close to it. And I was like, let's go see this film. I love Robin Williams. He was great in Aladdin. Let's go see this Robin Williams film film, we couldn't get into it at all. Like a half an hour into the movie, my mom turned to me and said, do you want to keep watching this? And I was like, no, no, I don't. (laughs) So we left the theater and went and saw Aladdin for the second time. And that was such the better call. And I've, I've always, you know, despised this movie in my mind because I remember it being so awful. So off-putting, so not enjoyable that i was really curious to revisit it for the show to see okay was i just too young did i not understand it is it too avant-garde no this is a horrible god-awful movie it is not a good movie i could not finish it listeners i'm sorry even as an adult i could not watch it i started hating it so much, and I put it on double speed, and that wasn't enough. And I just, ah, uh, this is such a gorgeous movie in the purpose yeah. of nothing. Yeah, pre CGI. Every Pre-CGI. time, yeah,
0: every time I watch it because I watched it a bunch as a kid. Like, I can't stop watching this. But what the fuck is this? And then as an adult, there are like,
2: people who go to bat for this. I mean, there's someone who go to bat for anything, but there are people who go to bat for this because nothing quite looks like it. Because yes. it is so over. Over every kind of the top there could be.
0: Yeah, it, it seems like a, a movie that's taking place at, like, the North Pole during Christmas. It's like, that. all these people are completely unrealistic human beings, uh, first
3: off, and then... Uh, uh, yeah, that's it. I couldn't get into it because I'm not watching human beings, you know? None of these people... One of the
0: characters, which is literally revealed to not be a, have been a human being this entire time. It, this movie seems to have... is it, It's is it trying to make heady profound statements and i think it might be but it no for, it's not no but i no. think it i
2: think it, it if, thinks it's being satirical about violence in children's i think it
0: i think it forgets every 30 minutes what kind of movie it is and, <laughs> and 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 certain characters come back like i forgot you were even in this this is this is such a bizarre film a truly it bizarre film it doesn't have
3: a good plot and it doesn't have a good character and if you don't have a good plot and you don't have a good character you're not a good movie you're not sure and uh, there is so many fascinating visuals okay the The uh, director of photography in this film must put so many of these shots in their uh, sizzle reel because they're amazing shots there's a shot where a room starts having tetris pieces push in on it in different shapes until the room is smaller and that is an incredible visual for no purpose the scene doesn't advance the plot. It's not even that funny. It's interesting visual, but none of the words coming out of the character's mouth as they're talking about vomit interest me. <laughs>
0: it, it also will not work on you if you liked video games, because I thought Robin Williams did, and this movie hates yeah. video games. It actually, one, that's stupid, because A, it had a video game, and then <laughs> two, it's stupid. <laughs> it. The general, what the brother of the creator of the toy factory is creating a war game for children. But in terms of a video game made for a movie, it looks so authentic. People were writing game magazines like when when is this awesome looking video game coming out? (laughs) It wasn't just somebody Uh like making bad
3: Nick arcade animation. It looks that the game in the movie looks like a game. Someone out there in uh, the 24 hour video game challenge Defictionalize this game. Defictionalize sure. it. Yeah, <laughs> sure. It's. It, it,
2: yeah, I, like, I, yeah. Can we even explain what the plot is? Because it is very, very no. muddled. It's. You do it. You know, there's a, <laughs> feel dirty. a guy runs a toy factory and he leaves it to one kid, but then the other, like his brother, is in the army and he wants to turn it all into like war toys, and then they oppose each other for a really long time and things get really unnecessary complicated. And then, and then, in the end, like the toys fight, I guess I, it's <laughs> baffling. It is baffling. Now here's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about director
0: Barry Levinson
2: who yes. has had an incredible track record for the last 10 right. years. This is supposed with diner.
0: And this is supposed to be his good morning Vietnam, Robin Williams collaboration yeah, that should re, knock it out of re-teaming.
2: the park. So here, let, let me, I want to list these films because he has a couple good ones after this, but this is kind of the end of Barry Levinson <laughs> mm. for, for a large part. Diner, The Natural, Young Sherlock Holmes, Tin Men, Good Morning Vietnam, Rain Man, Avalon, yeah. Bugsy, and then this. What? He's cashing in. He's getting the blank check. He is cashing in all his chips because this is his project that he really wants to do. And there is nothing in any of those other movies that indicates that this is a good idea and something he can do. I think I, I
3: wish the listeners could see the look on my face because oh. as you're listening, as you're listing all of those films, I'm just trying to connect them to toys in some way, shape, or form. And there's no. just this blank expression on my face. They're not that, that is not a list of movies that lead up to toys at all. Yeah. No,
2: no, no. And this is, it, this is. Yeah, like I said, he's got a couple more good movies for you know thirty years later. I mean, there's Sleepers and Wag the Dog, and uh, that's kind of it. Like no one has a track record this good. And I still want to. I still want. does it fall apart? Because this is. There's I some... find it unwatchable.
0: It's one of the best bad movies I feel like I've ever seen. It's hard to recommend, but it, like it is. I have memories of it burned into my head because visually it's hmm. so interesting.
3: But it's also like watch a five minute best of visual clip. That's fine. Because because I I have tried to watch original He-Man multiple times. I (laughs) cannot do it. It's unwatchable. And that's how this film made me feel. It made me feel like I was watching an original episode of He-Man. I just I I had to like slap my hand away from turning off the (laughs) iPad multiple times. Then I finally didn't have the strength anymore and just shut it off.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, and yet, there are people who have a nostalgia for it. Somehow, it clicked with them as kids, and I think the nostalgia goggles maybe helped them. They could get into the right mindset because there's nothing quite um, like it. And I, somehow, if you guess, if you're if you're at that right frequency, good on you. You're good for you.
1: you could I, not do it.
2: Like
3: what you like. Like what you like. like I mean, like. Uh, for one thing, I can see it these sets all had to be built in real life. And if you tried to remake this in CGI, everything would be so lifeless. It wouldn't even have whatever appeal this has. that's, that's, That's
0: another thing. When I look at it now, some of the shame, like what studio was thinking anything in this script or idea was going to be a hit that would merit this kind of money other than Robin Williams maybe guaranteeing bank?
3: That's like, it. But like, that's proof that Robin Williams didn't make Aladdin. You know, this is Robin Williams going as nuts as he can. And it's not good. You know, Aladdin had to have a lot of other things for the Robin Williams parts. And to it's work. it's
0: funny you mentioned that because it is because of this movie that Robin Williams goes on a multi-year war with Disney publicly. Because of this film, because he cared that much about it, he, and I don't know if that he cared that much about the substance of the film, because again, Robin Williams is like a toy lover, gamer. Like I don't know what <laughs> I don't know what his opinions were on this movie, but it, it was his friend Barry Levinson, and he helped shepherd the project through production and wanted to see it do well and not be maligned by another movie he put out at the same time. Blah blah blah. Aladdin, genie was not supposed to be promoted as heavily because there weren't supposed to be two robin williams movies in theaters within three weeks because how can that not take mm-hmm. a bite people only have the money yep. for one uh, Ooh,
2: we have a similar situation to talk about in 2002
0: it's bizarre it is outlandishly <laughs> bizarre and I, I i tip my cap to it in such a weird way because i just don't think anything this weird will
3: ever be made again uh, no. not that it's not good for Certainly. this budget not yeah. with this budget. it will Anything made this weird will all be CGI and mm-hmm. it'll be just lifeless because of that.
0: There, there's something like, if this is a foreign language film, I wonder if it would be more appreciated. <laughs> Anyhow, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> moving on uh, to a movie I definitely saw as well, but didn't get to rewatch. Um, we got Joe Morton, George Wendt, uh, Isabel Glazer. Uh, kind of a breakthrough moment for Elijah Wood. Uh, big one, yeah. Jamie Lee Curtis, and I saw the first movie where she plays a mother. <laughs> it's 30 years ago. Uh, and, ah, oh, timeless favorite Mel Gibson in Forever Young. He loved living on the edge. Woo! Now he's taking the chance of a lifetime. Freeze Freezing you being.
1: And after 50 years... It's cold. I think he's dead? Mom, I'm not making this up. <laughs> The world has changed.
0: It's called television.
1: What the heck happened in the last 50 years? But falling in love remains the
0: same. Mel Gibson, Forever Young, rated PG. So it's so weird. I remember watching this, like all these emotional moments, like, oh, could you, could you believe if this happened? All that shit happens to Captain America throughout the Marvel (laughs) Marvel Cinematic (laughs) Universe.
2: (laughs) Yeah, that's weird. Yeah. So yeah, it is Elijah Wood. First, he kind of had his breakout in Avalon directed by... Barry Levinson. Mm-hmm. We talked about Radio Flyer, and this one is like everything nice anyone has to say about this movie is damn that kid Elijah Wood, he's, he's got a future. Yeah. <gasps> Guess what, everybody?
1: This kid is good. So
2: yeah, this comes from the early 90s merchant of schmaltz, <laughs> a young man that nobody liked with big glasses named JJ Abrams.
0: <laughs>
2: Wait, did he He write... did this regarding Henry. That was what he was known for.
0: Yeah, and this is I th- I thought this this was a script that that fetched the most
3: money ever up to that point. Was that from two million dollars? It's a small film. Yeah. You know, it's a small film, but it feels bigger than it is because essentially it's got one period diner and then a warehouse and then a kid's home. Mm -hmm. That's it. (laughs) But it's, uh, okay. it's
0: it was it was meant for, to be a Mel Gibson vehicle that I think he initially rejected. But it's like the perfect Mel Gibson movie you put out in between Lethal Weapons, the schmaltzy. He falls in love, plays a 1940s pilot. Boom! We got the boomers. We got the boomers in there. We got the kids in there. Uh, this is going to be a big hit. It was a it was a su- sizable
3: hit uh forever i remember it on hbo all the time Mm -hmm. um but what i love is the uh revisiting it looking into the pre-google world because a Mm -hmm. major plot point of this was the scientist from 1939 they don't know who he is or where he is or where he went and they can't just google george went they have to go searching (laughs) for him in the old-fashioned way following leads and uh you know, eventually they find his daughter who gives him the notes, which makes the army army no longer interested him. And then he flies to meet his love who woke up out of her coma. But as he's flying, Holy he Lord. keeps aging. Okay.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. That's I, we didn't fully explain the plot of this. So yeah, he's, Captain Gibson, America. He's, he's, he, he's, he's Captain America. He's in love with a girl, but she's, Uh, He thinks he's about to die. She like gets in an accident. So my friend, the scientist is going to freeze me for a year. So I don't have to live through her dying, Mm -hmm. but they fuck it up and he's frozen for 50 years. It's idiocracy.
0: It's Futurama all rolled into something.
2: (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) They got the exact same. It's very similar capsule looking thing. And yeah, he wakes up and he's like, what? And uh, yeah, slowly (laughs) finds out like, oh, no, there's a problem with the cryogenics process and you're going to catch up to your actual age. And he starts aging very rapidly. <laughs> it's right. Like, oh, which, I never thought of that. That's this. That's bad. I don't
3: want this. That. Makes the happy ending not a happy ending. Okay, he states he was born in 1907, so he was 32 when he was frozen, which means he's aging up to being 85 years old in a couple of hours. Okay, mm. to go from being 32 to going to be 85, that's a death sentence. <laughs> you, you oh, just that's painful. It, that's painful. You just went from a healthy body to one, you know, maybe not one foot in the grave, but at least four toes. Zero
0: prostate like checks or centrum silver the entire time. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, just the the cartilage and all your joints just disappearing. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I kind of like that. I wasn't expecting that, that it was gonna be like, you know, yeah, Mel Gibson as 30s guy adapts to modern life, you know, he finds a new love and life goes on blah 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 and it's like no actually that's not the point the point is he had one love and he's going to go find her goddammit even though now they are wicked old
3: yeah Aww. But, she, but she had a lifetime without him she had like Fifty-six years without him, and she married. Yeah. And I, I just don't know if you married yeah. and had kids with someone else. If rather, oh yeah, that dude who I dated in my thirties, because they weren't <laughs> even engaged; they were just dating True. when you were kids. Well, uh, this
2: is this is gonna come up in another movie. <laughs> we're gonna talk about that's a comedy. This is so fucking weird. The idea of like, no, it, it, you have one love, you know, the one that got away. Go on and live your life, and then if you meet up at the end, you can try it again.
0: Yes. Or you that's can that's
2: the way you should do it. Don't wait around your whole fucking life. That's or awful. you can it's return you
0: can return the Infinity Stones to their proper place in the timeline and perhaps yes. meet your wife before
2: and then finally get that dance. I
0: do want to say I thought the device of him <laughs> getting older all of a sudden is very stupid. But it did literally happen to Captain America in the comics. He did huh. he did all of a sudden age very rapidly and become old Captain America. The winter soldier took know. over. that's Captain America.
2: Yeah, Forever Young is a kind of is a Mel Gibson movie i would forgotten about, and i would sort of conflated in my Man head with, with uh, Man with Man, no... Man with No Face. Yes, yeah. So because it was, they they bought
0: it for Mel Gibson because he wanted to direct, and this is mm. a very similar film to what The Man with No Face is, given his relationship
3: with a kid at least. It, it,
2: Sorry, man yeah, without it's, it is
3: man a face. called, right? Not man with no face. <laughs> it's, no it's a phase of Mel Gibson's career. This phase is a distinct phase. I feel. Well, this,
0: this is something mm. handsome leading men did. This is like just what the roles were. Um, yeah. But forever young. Let's move on to television. Nineteen ninety-two, uh, December, uh, December sixteenth to the twenty-second. I saw. This is the month. This is the month where MTV starts crediting directors on music videos. and
2: Yeah. Huh, I... Oh, I loved that. Because then I would see their names in movie credits and go, oh, I know who David Fincher is. I'm smart.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, but I think I, I'm, I'm only just getting into music videos around this time. So, like, I wasn't completely aware of it. It's just, it's not like... Hollywood executives didn't see, like, a Madonna video. Like, I got to get this director. But it's like, even in, like, 1991, they would have to, like, call the Red Hot Chili Peppers rep. I want to find out who this kid is. That's what they had to do in order to track down which director did what back in the day. But no longer MTV has credited directors. Neat. Uh, also this week, the
3: Seinfeld episode, The Airport Airs. Who boy. And, so this episode stuck with me. Yeah. Okay. First question. <laughs> Have you guys ever flown first class? No.
2: Business class.
3: Okay. The very first time I was flying by myself, I think I was 14, 15 or something like that. I went up to the counter and said, can I get a free upgrade to first class?
0: Why? Did you you see somebody in a movie do that?
3: I did. I saw (laughs) it in the movie or it was like something. You should try this. The worst they can do is say no. (laughs) <laughs> they gave it to me ah! wow. the very first time. And oh! after that, every time I tried it again, complete another failure mm-hmm. looks of like, what? No, you know, uh, insults about my lineage, all sorts of things, <laughs> but never a yes. But my first time flying by myself, I was in first class and it was like luxurious. And the whole time I was thinking of this episode of Seinfeld.
2: Hmm. <laughs> So you're like 14. Did you hit him up for booze? Because that's the benefit of first in business class. Uh, I I think
3: I was too uh, goody two shoes to do that. But yeah. Yeah.
2: I think I was 16 when I flew in business class by myself and I put away like three mimosas and was super drunk. (laughs) And then just (laughs) it was a really long flight. That's why I got upgraded to business class. And so I just fell asleep and it was perfect. (laughs)
3: <laughs> i'm just surprised they gave a 16 year old free uh booze you're in business they class know. it must be okay, they didn't okay. Know.
2: And, it, i mean it's like the lightest of all booze I'm a mimosa but still because i was so tiny i'm such a lightweight i barely i'd had like two drinks in my life
3: wow now yeah. i want to i want to know what drunk 16 year old diana was like Well, I, 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 but i also want the
2: same as sober Diana. <laughs>
3: I don't think I've ever
0: seen it. Uh, This episode of Seinfeld... No, I don't
2: get really drunk. Because usually that's what happens. I fall asleep. This
0: episode of Seinfeld, (laughs) perhaps other than the one set in a parking garage,
1: Mm. is
0: the one that holds up the least given modern day technology. The idea of George and Jerry, A, getting past a security gate to meet Jerry and Elaine on their flight to pick them up at an airport. But they don't... the The plane keeps being rerouted. So they travel back and forth from LaGuardia... To JFK, which I've flown into both of those. You can't travel back and forth multiple times to
3: those airports. They are very far away. We don't, away don't know from how there. long the flight was. You know, I mean th- that means 13. this
0: episode took place over the period of like thirteen hours. If well, yeah. that's
3: why Jerry is so relaxed and Elaine is so pissed off. She's been stuck in coach, and he's you know um, massaging the foot of a supermodel. Look,
0: that <laughs> that plane would have landed due to like union rules at some point, and okay. I, I don't, don't want to argue that because it's a funny episode. But in terms of like. Things the internet and cell phones have solved, yeah. all of the conflict in this episode could be solved like that. And I, I thought I heard an interview with Jerry Seinfeld. I'm tired of this. They they had cell phones. The plot of Seinfeld wouldn't exist. Maybe
3: not the airport.
0: Maybe maybe, maybe that <laughs> one can't work anymore
3: but uh this was originally supposed to be a weekend at bernie's episode what? you know the guy uh who with all the bags that elaine has to like scooch on by to sit in her seat
1: oh far fold. he
3: was supposed to die and then elaine was gonna have to be stuck next to a dead guy for the entire flight that's wonderful <laughs> that would have been wonderful why didn't they do that I don't know. Oh my God. uh but we we do have a clip that mm-hmm. i also think of when i think of this episode <laughs>
0: what they got the fudge on the bottom you see that enables you to control your fudge distribution as you're eating your ice cream so much
1: about nothing (laughs) thank you
3: (laughs) so they're already winking at the audience that this is a show about nothing thank you you know uh (laughs) but do you like your fudge on the bottom or the top uh both that because you
0: got to get it on top yeah. and have it drip down the bottom. You leave it little crevasses in order to get through. So you, then you can enjoy that last bit of melted ice cream and fudge at the bottom. Mm. And I'm a I'm a butterscotch caramel person anyway, so I, I shouldn't have answered the question. But <laughs> yeah, Seinfeld, <laughs> everyone keeps being timeless, uh, and it's it's kind of it's hit its stride and it's and it's it's just not its apex, but like the golden years of Seinfeld. Uh, could the same be said for Star Trek: The Next
3: Generation? I haven't seen this yeah, episode. The kinda. Chain of Command Part 2. Yeah, I, I mean, it's not fair to TNG that I compare it to prestige television that I've watched over the last 20 years. But I can't help comparing it to the vast majority of television I've seen over the last 20 years. And big surprise, the syndication show of 30 years ago just has some squeak in its wheels. And it has some, like, just... They-
2: They have so many more episodes. They can't all be Mm -hmm. bangers, all right? I know, I know. But even if TNG had had ten or twelve episode seasons, and they could just cut some of the chaff out, it would be amazing. But there's, there's, I get it. There's filler.
3: But I I haven't watched a lot of TNG in 25 years. I watched it all the time when it was first airing, but not much since then. Mm -hmm. And so just revisiting this episode, which is one of the bangers, there's just some clunky moments and even the bangers where I'm just like, "Uh, all right. It's a 30-year-old show. What are you going to do? I know, I know, I know. I'm just saying. Um, but this is an episode that's held highly for a number of reasons. This is the episode where Picard gets captured and tortured. And it's shown in the very first scene that Picard does not have the information that they want. And it's stated in this episode that torture is not an effective way to get accurate information. So the torture is not to get the information. The torture is to make the torturer feel good mm-hmm. and that's mm-hmm. shown in this episode in, in some really good ways you do however have a choice you can live out your life in misery held here subject to my whims
1: or you can live in comfort with good food and warm clothing
3: women as you desire them allowed to pursue your studies of philosophy and history i would enjoy debating with you you have a key mind it's up to you A life of ease, of reflection, and intellectual challenge. Or this.
0: What what a choice.
3: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh, I
2: recognize that voice. David Warner? I think it's David Warner. David Warner! Warner.
0: RIP, lost
3: him this year.
2: Yep.
3: Uh, Mm. But uh, in the end of that, Picard finds out that he's being released because the guards come and say... We're taking him away and he shouts defiantly, there are four lights. But then at the very end of the episode, uh, he says uh, that he was actually prepared to say anything. Uh, mm. He was prepared to lie. But the worst part was that he could actually see five lights, not four lights, which was wow. incredibly powerful. Yes, because some heavy shit. It, it shows that, you know. A lot of times in fiction, the manly protagonist suffers torture and doesn't get broken by it, but the human body has limits. Uh you can break anyone with enough pain. It's so having that be shown was really powerful.
0: Yeah, I think I think
3: T and Picard in general
0: uh is allowed to wear a lot more trauma on his sleeve than most other enterprise captains. Yeah.
3: And, and yeah. Definitely. Yeah. So this episode was also meant to be the bridge to ds9 Mm -hmm. this was Ah. meant to be uh the pathway to ds9 but due to some scheduling things they had to change it at the last minute um but this episode also has a major subplot about a new starfleet captain taking over the enterprise and all the conflict in that subplot is due to a conversation that star trek has been having with itself for 50 years and hasn't really come down one side or the other. To what degree is Starfleet a military operation? Mm. Because the new captain comes on and he acts like a military officer. He orders things done. He wants everything to be tip top. He doesn't really want to hear your excuses. He uh, jettisons aside all the research in order to get better shields. And everyone's uh, mad at him. They don't really like him. But he just says to Diana, it's your job raise morale i'm trying to make it so that this ship survives a fight Mm. to the death that we will probably die in and in the end he's proved to be right because he Mm. does get in a life-or-death situation and if the enterprise hadn't been in tip-top fighting shape it probably wouldn't have survived and everyone would have died and all those scientific experiments would have been destroyed so it doesn't really know what it's saying
1: Mm. hmm
3: Mm-mm-mm. Maybe
2: we're supposed to think about this because that's Ooh. what sci-fi
1: does.
0: There's no time Got because the- I'm busy watching Disney's Christmas Fantasy on Ice, a just <laughs> pure Pablum, probably on ABC. Uh just ice capades horseshit. Um because... the uh the plot, what there is of it, is uh oh, no.
3: balky uh or the actor who plays it is at Disney World, and a little girl is wishing that there would be snow at Disney World, and he says that couldn't happen, but she says it's the Magic Kingdom, so anything can happen. (laughs) Here's the thing, I went to Disney World on my honeymoon Mm -hmm. and it snowed while we were there what and we i am dead serious we went in late december early january of 2007 2008 it was a freak snowstorm it snowed at disney world we had to get uh disney gloves because we were that cold and what few jackets we brought with us it was a say, freak they, occur. They, they shoot out fake snow in Hollywood Studios
0: right next to Aerosmith's Rock and Roller Coaster, but it's <laughs> melted before it hits the ground, or as it hits the ground. Uh, yeah. Well, good on Little Girl and Balky. That, I don't know. The, I don't know. Let's move on to games of 1992 because oh, they're hilarious. Bulls versus Blazers and the, and the NBA playoffs hits the Super Nintendo, just the oddest naming convention
1: yeah.
2: for
0: this game series. Yeah, they would name it after who was in the NBA Finals that year
2: uh
3: so oh blazers baby blazers uh so i was a portlandian and i was all in on the blazers in our one moment of glory when we really thought we were gonna beat uh, michael jordan's Bulls. we really did think that Uh and to have a video game named after us blew our small city minds we were like (laughs) just amazed that there was a video game after the portland blazers and we thought ah we're on our way up and we were not
0: as a young boy in florida halfway to diabetes i was excited that cheetos chester cheetah is getting his own super nintendo game too cool to fool uh it <laughs> wasn't the case it was it's a pretty standard platformer um, yeah pretty dumb Pretty dumb, but I, I was. I swear to God, I was always really excited by mascot platformers. The Magical Quest starring Mickey Mouse hits Super Nintendo, and I missed a lot of the Castle Losing stuff. This series is crazy. The Magical yeah. Quest series, I love it.
3: So I remember when The Nest came out, and I was super excited that I could play Mickey Mouse and Mickey Mouse capades. Mm-hmm. But by the oh time of the Super Nintendo, I was uh, getting out of it slowly. So I never quite got into the Magical Quest series, but it looks fun. You get new outfits with new abilities, like a mm-hmm. firefighter outfit mm-hmm. that gives you the ability to spray water that can move blocks. A wizard looks like a solid
0: platformer. It's much better than Castle Illusion, he says, because it's Capcom and not Sega. But uh, but yeah, it's also, I think, one of the, the first fold-out Nintendo co- uh, power cover Oh, yeah, I remember that cover. Really? I don't know why, because I think it was just like the blast of his fire hose stream. And and one of the silliest ports that has ever been brought to Super Nintendo ever. We talked about this on Vintage Game Apocalypse. Recently, I think we were talking about unemulatable arcade experiences. Sonic Blast Man was a video game that was a punching bag. You would punch ah. a thing to stop a truck, to stop a meteor, and so on and so on. But it was really popular. And it got a yeah, Super Nintendo what, game.
3: What adolescent boy doesn't want to punch things it was really awesome. hard?
0: Yeah, run at it and punch it as hard as you can. Putt-Putt said it was okay. L- let's mm. do this. And uh, Sonic Blastman is brought to Super Nintendo as, what would you call it? Just a belt a scroller beat, em up. beat em up. Yeah,
3: It's a, it's a beat-em-up. And beat em ups need to be two things. They need to be fast-paced, and they need to be co-op. Right. And this is Neither. Although mm-hmm. it, it does do a hilarious move where you grab guys with uh, one arm and shake them, then throw them. That that looks pretty funny.
2: <laughs> it, oh, so I'm I'm looking at the uh, the the arcade version. It's not what I was expecting. Where it's like it's the uh, the fat the speed bag. Yeah, you see those like in bars sometimes. It's, the, it is it's like, like that, it's,
0: but, it's pa- but it's a it's a paddle.
2: It's coming from the bottom, and it's like the pad that you use for sparring. Yeah, and you just have to punch it as much as possible.
0: And no, I, see that it's pro- padded
2: all ar- I see that it's padded all around it because you know kids are missing and slamming head first. Dude, first was, thing.
0: People were run, like running at it and throwing their entire body in it before he knew how to throw a proper Roman Reigns super punch. And it's, it's also ironic that it's this beat-em-up considering the previous gameplay is from a first-person point of view. You almost never saw this character. So <laughs> uh, anyway, and then moving on to the, the bummer, but it's, it's, it's been rectified. Final Fantasy V is out in Japan. And would not okay. be out here
3: for some time. So this is super simple. We got Final mm-hmm. Fantasy One, Two, II, and Three. And the next Final Fantasy we got was seven. But in America, two <laughs> II and three were actually four and six. Yes. We never got Final Fantasy II and three for the NES, but soon after Final Fantasy eight came out, we got Final Fantasy V and Final Fantasy Anthology for PS1. Simple. <laughs> Yeah. And uh hopefully this is the kind of thing that'll never happen.
0: Yeah, it's awful. And let's just hope it <laughs> there's almost no need for anything like this to ever happen again. For fuck's sake. Oh there's uh, yeah. This there's Kickstarter, there's green lights. Just just put your games out, Japan.
3: It mm. it was pretty much the end of this phase of Final Fantasy. Yes. You know, it was like the ultimate version of Final Fantasy One. Upresed and explored and expanded, they didn't go much further with that version after five. Yes, uh, so it was
0: the
2: final Final Fantasy uh, of Final right. Fantasy One's Final Fantasy. Correct.
3: The Final so- Fantasy Five was Final Fantasy's One Final Fantasy. Oh God! Oh God! <laughs>
0: It was the final this Final Fantasy. This stop
2: being funny to me. I've never played a Final Fantasy game. <laughs> to
0: come out with any frequency. How about that? Uh, now we get one Final Fantasy per platform. And uh, anyway, let's go out with some music. I Will Always Love You by Whitney. This is news number one. I just wish I had a button to just say that because I will always love you be number one for a while. But I couldn't be more excited about our new releases.
2: Yes. Because... I've been waiting for this. Oh, I, I, you know, there are some things I have a Pavlovian response to and I didn't yes. know I did the opening bars of the song we're going out with
3: yes in this and i think I, I am shocked by how much i played that song in college like when, <laughs> it wasn't a, until it's MP3s a wonderful story song out. yeah, yeah. It, but it was only when mp3s came out that it started getting passed around it was like you've got to listen to this what is it just listen to it well, here, here's yep, another thing i remember
2: it on 120 minutes. They would play it late at night on MTV. It was not allowed to be played during the day because it has a naughty word on it. And it's not If I the... Ever Fall in Love by Shy. We've played that already.
0: No, it is It is off of the album Happy Hour uh, by King Missile, And that's, of course, their biggest hit. Detachable Penis. I, I recommend Martin Scorsese to Diane if you just want someone screaming about how great Martin Scorsese is. It's a wonderful <laughs> scream, scream. Oh, orgy.
2: yeah.
1: He makes the best fucking movies! He makes the best fucking movies. <laughs>
0: uh, but Detachable Penis was Like, I was at the exact age where this is the funniest thing that ever happened, and a music video (laughs) literally involves a detachable penis that gets lost on a vendor's blanket uh, when he was having lunch (laughs) at the Kiev.
2: I forgot that there is, they do show the penis, and it Mm -hmm. looks nothing like a penis. It looks like a flesh-colored, like, salami. Oh,
0: really? I remembered it being blurred. But it's it's something that people are I found holding. the
2: unblurred version. Okay. And it, even that does not look like a penis.
0: <laughs> but but here's the other thing about the song. We are all watching a shitload of MTV around this time. So if you're watching like fucking Sandblast or The Real World or Road Rules, this song is used over and over and over again. If you think you didn't hear this song. MTV kind of didn't want you to hear it, but they loved playing it in the background of their shows and did it all the
2: time. It's a great riff. It's just a solid, (laughs) solid jam. There
3: are so many amazing lines mm-hmm. i really don't like being without my penis for too long it makes me feel like less of a man, man. yes it's <laughs> gold he wanted 22 dollars, but i talked to him down to 17 really dude it's your penis what <laughs> how
0: did this exist i really want to know how much money and career they generated off of this hit it, would ju- it just seems hysterical like I arrived. It doesn't on the...
3: even sound like a song. It sounds like no. this is a genuine problem this man faces <laughs> on a regular basis. <laughs> well, that's why
0: we'll go out with King Missile's detachable penis. Uh, but we got one more tower to. T- Never mind. We're going to talk about Lord of the Rings. Here.
1: I woke up this morning with a bad hangover, and my penis was missing again. This happens all the time. It's detachable. This comes in handy a lot of the time. I can leave it home when I think it's going to get me in trouble. Or I can rent it out when I don't need it. But now and then I go to a party, get drunk, and the next morning I can't, for the life of me, remember what I did with it.
0: Would you like exclusive bonus podcast commentaries, and more from the Laser Time crew? then we strongly encourage you to support this show on Patreon.com slash LazerTime. It supports not only this show, but all the rest of the LazerTime network. You'll get commentaries, play games with the hosts, see exclusive videos first, and receive an uncut weekly ad-free podcast bonus time. Speaking of which, here's a quick taste. Cold results, dark, dark. We watched The Dark Crystal, 1982's The Dark Crystal, directed by Jim Henson and Frank Oz. Hey, let's dispel this. Not a flop.
3: No. I think after the... The Jason Segel Muppets And the original Muppet movie It is the highest grossing
0: Like puppet based film Yeah I think up up until Maybe Team America Yeah Team America should be In that conversation Because like A bunch of the IMDB trivia Is like This is the only Live action movie Starring no human beings And like Uh and then they brought up the 2019's The Lion King. Like, why can't we call that an animated film? Like, none of that exists. That's, all, that's <laughs> yeah. That was that's all drawn. There's an
3: interesting debate happening right now with, I mean, we're, we're I'm already getting off topic, but with the new Avatar movie, I, I believe there are no, like, human performances in that
0: movie. other than motion, motion capture. Yeah.
3: Technically, I think that is an animated film.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm so but. psyched for that fucking movie. Do you
3: think James Cameron was pissed he had no one to yell at? Yeah. <laughs> Get Bonus Time, a weekly uncensored and commercial-free podcast every Tuesday starting for just $5 on patreon.com/lasertime.
0: Coming into 2002, are we going to get arrested? All the things she said by Tattoo off of 200 kilometers per hour in the wrong lane. That's a great album title that I never knew the name of. That is out this week. The once controversial Russian band?
2: Yeah, the Russian duo that look like they're 17 and like to hint that they're having an affair.
0: Hint, they're making out in this video. And this, this song, by the way... You didn't need this this hook. This song is great. <laughs> yeah, this song is great. They didn't need that dead cachet at all. Uh, good for you, tattoo. I love this. It's one of my favorite silly pop songs. All the things she said. Other new releases include "Give Me Time" by Lil Romeo and "Dashboard Confessionals." MTV Unplugged. Did they have earned themselves a? MTV Unplugged at that point? Holy shit.
3: 2002 MTV Unplugged wasn't the cachet it was in 1990. I, I it, should
0: it, I should say. Very,
2: very occasionally did
0: that. As of, last, as of this week, 10 years ago, Eric Clapton's... Uh, Eric Clapton Unplugged becomes the best-selling album of the entire year. As of this week, 10 years ago. And hmm. then we have Dashboard Confessional, which I've never heard a single song off of it. I'm not sure how you give a mostly acoustic band uh, an Unplugged set. Anyway. And anyway i know there's a band now lose yourself by eminem is still number one yeah, uh,
2: and oh special shout out to all the people who contacted me on twitter looking for the link to that eight crazy nights <laughs> eight mile <laughs> ad <laughs> and I got a bunch of messages for people like i can't find it where is it and then i put it up and people like i showed it to all my friends and oh my god we laughed so hard it, like that's the best thing about that movie is that ad <laughs>
0: It is wild. There's creativity in those Adam Sandler movies. You just have to dig them up sometimes. Uh, Mm A little bit of news to bring the world of 2002. Might not be this one. The second Congo war the Congolese parties of the inter-Congolese dialogue. Sign a
3: peace accord. Good. Yeah, it didn't last. Um, I I bring this up because the Second Congo War is going to be ongoing, uh, but it almost never makes the news. It's mm-hmm. arguably the bloodiest war since World War II, Oof. But it doesn't get much attention for multiple reasons. First, it's in Africa and poor African nations don't get that much international attention. They just mm. don't. Um, second, it's really, really complex. The allies' democratic forces faced off against the alliance of democratic forces. (laughs) I I know that sounds like a Monty Python sketch, but it was real and it had casualties in the million. Uh, Second, Mm. thirdly, it's a lot of asymmetrical guerrilla warfare, Hmm. which doesn't lend itself to following. In the Ukraine war, you Mm. can see this town was taken, that town for taken by the Russians, that town was taken by the Ukrainians. Um, not so much whether the allies' democratic forces were in control or the alliance of democratic forces were in control of an area. So mm. it it's complex, it's uh, really bloody and bad, but it just doesn't get mentioned much because of those reasons. Mm.
2: I wonder if Congo is maybe the most fucked over country slash region in the universe. It's way up there. It's up Uh, there. Yeah, my husband and I were actually talking the other day. We came up with a great way to make money off of time travel without affecting the time stream. You go back and kidnap one of history's great villains, in this case, Leopold II of Belgium. You bring him to the future. You torture the bejesus out of them. And then you put them right back right before you took them. So you don't actually affect time.
3: Like you do
2: you do get the fun of torturing that motherfucker because he's one of the most oh. evil people that ever lived
3: yeah i'm reading his bi- biography right now it says uh i actually had no interest in going to the congo but then i was tortured in the future and it inspired <laughs> me to uh spread no! that torture to other areas
2: anyway let's move yeah, on yeah, to he's movies horrible of-
3: uh he's leopold's st- ghost is a great book i recommend oh, yeah. heavily
2: yeah i have read that one okay yeah Fuck that guy. Fuck everyone who fucked up Congo. Moving on to movies. Moving on to movies. we got heavy hitters. we got to talk about them.
3: The heaviest
0: hitter of all. Uh, look at this cast. Alfre Woodard, Brock Peters, Marissa May, Rupert, Peters. Everett Kreese, Summers, uh, Lynn Redgrave, uh, Flea, uh, Jody Carlisi, Tim Curry, Daniel Harris, Tom Kane, Lacey Chabert. 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 Uh, uh, I could
2: not believe I saw Brock Peters' name in here. Spoiler yeah. alert for next week's Classic Corner. That's the guy from To Kill a Mockingbird.
0: Clearly not slumming it in the Wild Thornberries movie, the the third Klasky Chupo movie. Oh, they were so luck! God, they were doing flying so high in the two thousands. Uh, the Wild Thornberries movie, I I did see this in theaters for reasons I don't understand. Why? A friend of mine dragged me to it. A friend with no children. I don't know why she cared. It had no cable. I don't know why she cared. <laughs> and I'm like, I've, this, and this is the first anything of the Wild Thornberries I'd ever seen. And I felt nothing and didn't rewatch it for this show. But it's it, got
2: a Paul Simon song. That's hey, the only thing I know about this movie. It's got a very nice Paul Simon song.
0: The movie I was there day one to see. And I just don't remember this going up, these two of these movies going up against one another. I must have been very busy with three hour yeah. epics.
2: Well, we have very. We're getting into the period where we have some limited release and then wide release. I try to go with the wide release dates because that's when people remember seeing it. Otherwise, we'd have 400 movies to talk about Christmas week and then nothing to talk about in January. Yeah. But this is the actual release date for this movie. Five days before another movie starring the same guy.
0: Okay. Brendan Gleeson. Which we will talk
2: about next week. Yeah. But we got a DiCaprio versus DiCaprio, baby.
0: Brennan Gleeson, Jim Broadbent, Henry Thomas, John C. Riley, Cameron Diaz, Daniel Day-Lewis, and Leonardo DiCaprio in Gangs of New York. In a city ruled by fear, a stranger to the streets.
1: His name's Amsterdam. Amsterdam. I'm New York. Is up against the man who owns them. Everybody owes, everybody pays. Challenge. (laughs) Winner of Two Golden
0: doubles including Best Director Martin Scorsese, Leonardo DiCaprio, Daniel Day-Lewis, Cameron Diaz. Gangs of New York. Oh, Gangs of New York. So
2: in 1975, <laughs> a young man named Martin Scorsese made a movie called Taxi Driver, mm-hmm. which was very controversial but very critically acclaimed. And he announced his next project was going to be called Gangs of New York. No. Yes. Yes. And he went to this studio. He went to that studio. He went to. The, he had a deal over with uh, Warner Brothers. They said ended up saying no. He had a deal over here. It, somewhere along the line, the project was bought by Disney, and then Disney shut it down because they're like, "This is Disney. What are you talking?" about? Mm-hmm. eventually, a motherfucking named Harvey Weinstein shows <coughs> up, mm-hmm. and he's like, "I could get you the money along with this British company," and then they actually start making the fucking movie finally. But then they're not sure when it's coming out. And Weinstein's holding on to the footage and they're not letting it cut. And no, this cut is too long. And no, this is blah, 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 blah. And so this was supposed to come out closer to like the summer. Like we never, it was almost a year delayed. Like we didn't know when this movie was coming out because of fucking Harvey Weinstein. Fuck that guy. But it was also controversial because Leonardo DiCaprio, he was in this movie called Titanic. Mm-hmm. And then he was in a movie called The Beach. And that wasn't very well received. And then he didn't do anything. Then they announce he's going to be in the next Scorsese movie. And everyone goes, you put the pretty boy in your movie? And Scorsese says, I think he's the best actor of the generation. So, yes, I did.
0: And these people, this guy will never, these these guys will never form a bond and star and make multiple movies together.
2: together. Scorsese's made nine movies in the last 20 years and six of them have DiCaprio. Mm-hmm.
0: Wow, and he's, yeah. they're also both Italian, so they understand each other. You know, yeah. yeah, they're 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 good fellas. Uh, but this this movie, I I remember looking forward to for so long, and even with the internet, like Jesus Christ, it like took forever mm-hmm. to see this. And when I finally did, I was bored out of my
3: mind. <laughs> yeah, I I. I'm a history geek. Back in 2002, I really wanted to like it because this is a fascinating period, yo. Uh, yes. N- New York City went from a population of 96,000 in 1810 to over 1,080,000 in 1860. 50 years. Mm-hmm. It was 10 times the size. Okay. That is if, if what was the population of San Fran today, Diana? 750,000.
2: About eight hundred thousand.
3: Mm. So, what if it was a city of eight million people fifty years from now? Wow!
2: Oh my god!
3: Well, wow. or we'd really
2: if... some dense housing. That's yeah. what would
3: happen. Yes. Yeah. Or what if New York City of today was eighty million people fifty years from now? It's that's it's the a mega year...
2: city one shit right there.
3: Yeah, <laughs> it, but but that's what the people live through, and the degree of lawlessness mm-hmm. is hard to grasp today. Okay, to give you an idea the New York City legislator passed a law that essentially legalized bribery, okay? Because (laughs) only eyewitnesses who weren't either the briber or the bribee could testify in a case involving illegal payments to a public employee or politician. (laughs) In other words, it was illegal for you to confess to taking or giving bribes. The, The railroads had a special train, from New York City to Albany, when the state legislator was in session, with a gourmet chef, hot and run, hot and cold running hookers, free flowing <laughs> booze, and a special private car, where the money was handed over, the chief of the New York City Police Department had, on a salary of seven hundred and fifty dollars a year, managed to save fifty thousand dollars and buy a four thousand acre estate in ireland complete with a manor house and he attributed this in a newspaper to thrift and hard work Mm -hmm. now in actuality he was getting uh take from every brothel and gin joint uh and pawnbrokers who fenced all the stolen stuff from the gangs that we see in this city this should be an amazing film Mm -hmm. but it's so boring it's uh, like okay
2: very slow. I think that is my number one complaint is there is so much amazing stuff going on in here mm-hmm. that it's like there's too much like okay we we're covering uh Tammany Hall the the mm-hmm. corruption of the police the the way the gangs run the streets which is kind of the beginning of the mafia the draft riots of 1963 which should just be its own movie mm-hmm. uh, uh, nativism versus irish immigrants that's a lot and then we spend time on uh, oh how does Cameron Diaz feel and I'm kind of like <laughs> god damn it like there's yeah. just too much and I, even at 2 hours 45 minutes there is too much and it does not help that you have Daniel Day Lewis going so fucking overpowered that nothing can stand in his way <laughs> as, as a character it's just like either we're spending time with him being like holy shit this guy or we're doing Big picture history stuff and everything else is
1: boring.
3: Yes. Well, yeah. our main character is one note. I, yes. I never yeah. got a sense of him as a protagonist the way I do other Scorsese protagonists, you know?
2: Yeah, it's, uh, it's a bummer. Like, I kind of I have to recommend it because I do think it is good. It is really well made. The directing is fantastic.
3: The production
2: design. I th- yep. This is one of the biggest sets ever built. They built five city blocks.
3: And it shows. I mean you can see New
2: York. Stork. My some, God, it's amazing.
3: In some period films, you know, we are only showing you this one angle because this is the only thing we yep. can afford to build. Here it's mm-hmm. like we time traveled back to eighteen sixty-three New York. Yeah, Enjoy. That,
2: that ship in the background, two blocks away, it's fucking there. This is not blue screened. They I, would it, ne- it would be ungodly to think of doing this. It, it felt like, too no much like
0: like like Scorsese trying to make the kind of movie he tried his whole career not to make, which was a, a bigger disappointment to me because in between this and Goodfellas, you have Casino, but in terms of crime, Scorsese had kind of abandoned that genre entirely until, and this was supposed to be The Return and
3: Ew. here we are. Uh, back in 2002, I shut it off halfway. Uh, this time, I, unlike toys, I managed to finish the whole thing um, but it was a Force Watch. You know, it was a slog to get through. I, I yeah. can't recommend it. I'm sorry. I, I it's, hate it. it. It's... I actively hate <laughs> it. And All it, right. I it,
2: might take it off the recommend because it is a very light recommend for me. And I, yeah, it's, it's tough. It's like my memories were pretty good, but, you know, it's got problems. And then rewatching it, it was like... Why am I only seeing the problems? Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, I, I will speak in its defense. It's got some things that I was surprised it kept in, like it's having the nativist versus the uncoming Irish. And I was like, okay, they're gonna really make the Irish really saintly. But at the end of the film, they have the Irish lynching black people on a massive scale. And I was like, that's historically accurate. That absolutely happened. Uh, uh, how the Irish Became White is a fantastic book on that subject, by the way, mm-hmm. which I do recommend. Yeah. Mm. Um, but the draft riots were horrible for black people in New York oh, yeah. City. Uh, they burned the, down the
2: orphanage, the, yeah. the, like the colored children's orphanage. So they, yeah, yeah, that was burned. its name. My God. And uh, by
3: 1865, the black population in New York City fell below the level it was in 1820. Keep in mind how much New York City grew in that point. Oh, well, I mean... If there's a massive lynching in your city, if it's at all possible, you're going to be like, all right, I'll go. Get out. I'll go yeah.
2: I'm going to go uptown to the big, wide-open hills of Harlem. Yep. <laughs> that was way open. outside yeah. the city back then. Way the fuck yeah. outside the city. Yeah. Um, oh, what else was I going to say about this? I forget. Oh, right. We talked about uh, a couple weeks ago how the fuck did Roman Polanski get a Best Directing Oscar? because of the split vote and part of it was this of like mm-hmm. scorsese been trying to make this it for a million years you finally did it we haven't given an oscar yet should we give it to him for this one
0: i would have rather you did it. For even bringing problem. out the dead is more palatable than this film so it's <laughs> <He's I'd... laughs>
2: probably more fun uh, mm-hmm. that's a fun one yeah it's just uh oh, it's yeah. deeply flawed but no, God, there's did... some good stuff in it though
3: did the next film Outperform Gangs of New York because if so it, that's a ouch.
2: It absolutely did. We have a rom-com outperform out-per- out- this. Oh wait, what was the other thing I was
3: And not not internationally. Well no, but we're we're, we're talking even U.S domestic you have the return of Scorsese to crime with an epic historical drama with a huge budget that gets beaten however slightly by a rom-com
0: it's yeah about, it's about the, the same they
3: both crack 190 mil but the next
0: movie is uh, Robert Klein Dana Ivy uh Francie Swift, Alicia Witz and Hugh Grant Hugh Grant and Sandra Bullock in two weeks notice. Lucy's eccentric billionaire boss is driving her to the edge. You're my brilliant chief counsel who's always honest with me. Well
1: then honestly,
2: I think you are the most selfish human being on the planet.
0: Well, that's just silly. Have you met everyone on the planet? Now, the only way to get noticed...
2: Don't tell me you called me out of a wedding to help you me pick out a suit,
1: please. ...is to give notice. I'm his chief counsel, not his babysitter. Oh, Consider this my two weeks' notice.
0: This holiday, the most romantic gift of all is the story of a man who had the woman of his dreams. I trust her completely, which is she? funny. Not intentionally, of course. Uh, All right, all right. Hey, <laughs>
2: can I say two things? Please. Every ad had that legally distinct from feeling all right by joe yes. cocker music in it
0: if a movie we starts just... with that i don't see it
2: what but that's not even feeling all right by joe cocker it's nope. legally distinct from it. and second of all why does this movie hate apostrophes
0: two... Oh, i see two mm-hmm. weeks notice
2: it's two weeks' notice i'm sorry it's true
0: so the notice belongs to the two weeks yes it's not it's
2: plural and possessive and in the the uh book Eat, Shoots, and Leaves. There's a whole mm-hmm. part about the author who's like a copy editor, made an apostrophe on a stick and went down to a big <laughs> a big poster in the subway and <laughs> held it there over the weekses <laughs> to see how people reacted. The weekses. Yep. Ugh. Why do you hate apostrophes movie?
3: Because they don't want to confuse people. Uh, fuck this movie.
0: <laughs> it's it's fine.
2: It's, 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 uh, it's fine.
0: I, it's not a I mean, movie we're gonna glow about and rec- like recommend you know, to everyone.
2: So. Hugh Grant is kind of still a version of the character he was in Bridget Jones's Diary. Appropriate apostrophe there, thank you.
0: Bridget Jones's, I heard it there.
2: But, you know, I like that Sandra Bullock is hyper competent, and then they don't make it like, you just need to relax and have fun. Stop being a hyper competent woman who's good at her job. It's like, yeah. no, you've just taken on the responsibility for this asshole, and you shouldn't have that responsibility and then in the end, she's like, I want that responsibility. And I'm like, fuck you, movie.
0: <laughs> yeah, fuck this movie. Uh, it's, uh, because uh, it's it's it's, uh, counter- it's counter-programmed to the thing all of us were seeing. Uh, yeah. All of us were seeing this week. And that has a little... Uh, Carl Urban? I love that Carl Urban is in this. Uh, Brad Doriff, Chucky is in this. Hell yeah. David yeah. Wenham? Miranda Otto? Christopher Lee? Dominic Monaghan? Uh, Billy Boyd? Bernard Hill Orlando Bloom John Reese Davies Viggo Mortensen Ian McKellen Andy Serkis Sean Astin and Elijah Wood it's number one at the box office it's The Lord of the Rings The Two Towers
1: this Christmas
0: the wait is over
1: they're here he it no, no! I have made my choice and
0: it! still no... The Lord of the Rings, the Two Towers. PG thirteen. God hey, damn! Hey, what happened uh, to that
2: kid from Forever Young? He was pretty good.
1: <laughs> what did
0: what he do? Uh, he teamed up with the director of Meet the Feebles and made this wonderful <laughs> little trilogy. Uh, I, I think if you if you didn't hear us a year ago, we had nothing but glowing things to say about Fellowship. And
2: I liked it more.
0: Yeah, I've liked it more than I did back in the day. And in, in a way that the Hobbit films had sort of scared me away from Do I love these? And and I'm just glad I was reminded by this show and the 20th anniversary that it is absolutely wonderful. And they it's hard to call Two Towers underrated because it 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 might be one of the most successful successful movies of all time. I wish I could pinpoint how this production worked because like part of the magic Magic. This, it feels this like it. <laughs>
3: production was blessed in a way that is insane. How do you okay? how
0: do you up the ante of something? Are
1: you ready for a but how do you, how
0: do you sh- how do you up the ante of a film you're shooting simultaneously? They shot the Rohan sequences first, so like they're not filming a new movie and like we're gonna add new shit here and there. But it feels bigger in all the right ways because of how well planned, or I, I'd say partially how well planned and partially like they didn't have to argue for money for reshoots after the success of fellowship because they put the mm-hmm. budget of this movie at 90 million dollars i'm going to go on record saying there's no way this movie was 90 million dollars i would mm-hmm. bet they put another double that into the budget because some of the effects here are way above and beyond
3: anything you saw in fellowship uh, well fellowship was starting up everything you know it was getting all the pieces into place this has the empire advantage it we already know these characters we already know there's motivation we can get straight to the bigger and better action scenes and yep. this series is so amazing i mean mm-hmm. it was a hundred million dollars per film for three films all that money just sunk all at once keep in mind george lucas only got 115 million for phantom menace and that was considered a slam dunk so mm-hmm. to Put three hundred million dollars into these films. Yeah, we've had we've had nothing before since like that. We haven't.
0: Yeah, and it's, no. it's they 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 said like it's the highest. It becomes the highest grossing movie of the year. and becomes like one of the highest grossing modern movies of all time. But those other movies are Titanic and Harry Potter, which cost yeah. almost double what this yeah. movie did. It's it's miraculous yeah. that this did this well.
2: It, it is kind of nuts. So yeah, I didn't realize it'd been quite a while since I I rewatched Two Towers. I rewatched it and. Yeah, I was struck by that they take practically no time to catch you up. Yeah. They don't remind you. It like, starts running. It literally starts with yeah, its feet on the ground. Literally starts running. Then there's a lot of long distance running, cross country <laughs> running. And uh, yeah, they just, but they also, they have to introduce a whole pile of new characters. They break the story down. I read through a list of like what's different in the movie versus the book. And mm-hmm. the big change is. Where the story ends, that this ends before yeah. the end of the book, the Two yes. Towers, because they got to, they ended on a good. No. somewhere.
0: Yeah, it's, I, I think the, <laughs> yeah, two, the you two. You
2: got to end it basically at the the end of the main action of the, the story. The Two
0: Towers is the best work of uh, Peter and Fran's adaptation of the Lord of the Rings, mm. because like I don't know what Tolkien was thinking, or but just like it, it's not a very satisfying equal read. If you read them as a trilogy a lot more time is devoted to certain characters and others and they they spread it out so well over the course of these three movies and two towers mm-hmm. contains i think the most of the other films or, or no no mm-hmm. fel- it splits stuff with fellowship too because uh yeah
2: well but then that's part of the problem a little bit of this is that we have all our characters are separated into a bunch of different teams that are mm-hmm. going doing stuff and i guess in the books they're basically separated the whole time it's like here's here's mary and pippin's story from start to finish and then here's everyone else's story from start to finish and it's Mm -hmm. like you gotta shuffle those back together to make sense also time-wise and that's one of my problems with this movie though is that we we spend an awful lot of time away from some characters especially mary and pippin because not a lot is happening in their story for a long time yeah when they came back i was like oh right we haven't seen them for like 40 minutes, though. I forgot because they're yeah, but they're hanging great, out with a tree.
3: <laughs> they're such great characters that it's like, yay, these characters again, not who are these characters. You remember yeah, no, Miriam yeah, Pippin, you know?
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. it wasn't like, wait, what are they doing? It
3: was just sort of like, right.
2: oh, I guess they're still walking. Long distance walking. Cross-country walking.
3: <sighs> That's why I think this is such an amazing adaptation. because. Yeah, me too. Getting the book, which is two separate stories, they're really mm. not connected in the book at all. Um, uh, J.R. Tolkien originally intended uh, for the Lord of the Rings to be six novels, and mm. or six chapters of one giant novel. And The Two Towers was really basically two separate books um, with two separate stories going on. And yeah. to mix those together is such a great work of adaptation because Peter Jackson made them blend together in a way that was fascinating and interesting. Yes. Harvey he, Weinstein wanted the entire Lord of the Rings trilogy yeah. to be one two hour film. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Holy crud. Are we lucky? We are yeah. so lucky. And, and Peter Jackson took his time. He took so much time to figure this out and other, other people, trilogies didn't do that uh, the Star Wars sequels were all greenlit ahead of time basically it was like of course we're going to finish this mm-hmm. but they didn't take advantage of it nope. they didn't plot out how everything was going to go mm-hmm. uh, very clearly um, not, yeah, not in the light latest the- trilogy uh-
2: Yeah, the overall story. Break that into three acts. Break those into three acts. Yeah, that's that's why I'm so
0: astounded by this because like it 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 feels like well they spent more money on this sequel. The last one made money and like not necessarily like most of this shit was in the can by the time Fellowship hit. It's Mm -hmm. it's odd to think about and I I do want to give it some praise because I hate to call it underrated, but like we do not hold two towers aloft with The Dark Knight and. Spider-Man 2 and Empire Empire and I think part of that is because like it stuck the landing hard with Return of the King and and, Mm -hmm. but because of that this film is like completely overshadowed in my repeat viewing because like I love this period of Lord of the Rings because I like I said a year ago I didn't expect anything of it Sam just told me I'd never heard of this franchise I think you'll like it and I went to a theater knowing only Peter Jackson and Elijah Wood and my mind was blown. So this movie comes out, I am watching the Fellowship DVD like once a week. And, yeah. and I could not <laughs> yeah. be more excited. We, we
3: should talk about that a little because the Fellowship Extended yeah, Edition had been released mm-hmm. between uh, that film's release date and this film's release date. And then suddenly that was like, what, an hour and 20 more minutes of a Fellowship we got to oh, experience? I can remember. And making of documentaries mm-hmm. for Fellowship is basically a crash course on film school. Yep. I've had a director I work with say, yeah, I, I went to film school and I watched the, uh, fellowship, uh, towers and return mm-hmm. of the King DVDs 10 times each. And I can't tell you which one I learned more from. I, I um, think there's, there's 16
0: <laughs> hours of behind the scenes features on each one of those Oof. DVDs. And Oof. I've watched all of them like t- at least once or twice.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Four commentary tracks, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. Which is a uh, system I copied for my own film, Dark Dungeons, which has four commentary tracks of the director, the writer, producer, the uh, actors and the set design people. I copied that from Lord (laughs) of the Rings because I love those DVDs so much. And I was never as in to any movie currently being released as I was for Lord of the Rings yeah, uh, yeah. because I love the Star Wars films, but they were all done before. I only got my love for it after they'd all been out, but I was never as into anything mm-hmm. as I was Lord of the Rings. Uh, I Weird. actually, yeah. no. while climbing Mount Fuji, I was reading the two towers and all those scenes <laughs> of nice. the uh, characters marching really stuck with me once i did my own march up uh basically mordor and when i was done climbing mount fuji my body was a complete wreck i i hadn't trained nearly enough and i was just in a bed in our hotel like barely able to get up to eat you know like get up eat collapse back in the bed for at least 36 to 48 hours. And all I did was read The Lord of the Rings. And that was such an amazing experience. And then to see it realized on screen so vividly. As soon as I got out of this theater, I was like, I want the extended edition of Two Towers. I want it, I want it, I want it. Um it came later on and it was so glorious. I mean, this fantasy series is 20 years old. And there's not been a fantasy series that has topped it before or since. It's the no. pinnacle. Well, it's the literal. Yes, you're not the, the you're best. not the right age for
0: Harry Potter, but like that is had a kind of an astounding legacy with the two generations yeah. that follow Roo. us.
3: Okay, that, I I I will say, I will call Harry Potter a tie. Sure. All right. How about that?
0: Yeah. I mean, they were but existing simultaneously.
2: Close, but, but that, was, that was eight films. There was eight versus films.
3: Three films. Yeah. Um, yeah,
2: but also, I mean this uh, some of the steps forward in technology and this help all those other oh, things yes. mm-hmm. that try to be it because we have to talk about sir lord reverend dr andy circus
0: yeah yeah yeah
2: my yeah. god that was the one thing i thought okay those effects are not going to hold up right that that that's the mocap is 20 years old mocap we got an avatar movie coming out right now like uh, fucking held up and goddamn that performance they- and, What's so weird is yeah. I've spent so much time now seeing Andy Serkis as a regular actor that I could see the similarities yes. in Gollum's design, like how his mouth yeah. moves, and I'm like, Yeah, because I
0: believe yeah. he, Gollum's performance physically is based on most of the stuff Andy Serkis did on the set with those actors, and mm-hmm. they went in and yes. modeled his face afterwards to recreate speci- just ultra... Spe- they, they, they redesigned Gollum yeah. in general. Gollum does not look like he does in Fellowship. Which right. you, you barely Which, see. And he
2: was. He did not think that that was his job coming in. He thought he was going to do a voice.
0: Yeah, he thought he was. He thought he was being uh, Charles Fleischer's Roger Rabbit. Yeah, like, I'm. I'm going to sit yeah. offline yeah. and
3: read read lines to to the cast. Uh, but what a what a great call, you yeah. know, because they had him. They had that performance. The other actors could work off of it. Before Andy Serkis's Gollum, the biggest CGI character was Jar Jar Binks, yo. That yeah, was it. There, that there, was the model. There there are others in there, but there
0: to exist mostly in moments of action, you know, like the mummy or something. Um, but it wasn't there was no character that conveyed this sense of realism. And, and and that a lot of that has to do with the rendering process, how how light moves through Gollum and not off of them. It just it seems like an odd thing for every effects company to forget that skin yep. is somewhat transparent and just you see that when he's lit in the moonlight or by water. And mm. the emotional performance from Andy Serkis taking like a kind of a footnote, kind of a, a side in the book that Smeagol and Gollum are two separate characters, and it literally created a thing that I've seen done in like yeah. 18 other movies now.
2: That and, sequence, or Jerry's where he's game. talking to himself, uh, yeah, and the yeah, the the camera is shifting from a left angle to a right angle to indicate which is which, and then they just start cutting between them. I wish I had Love more it.
0: reaction GIFs just with his. His his no, his no, no. No. No.
3: It's an amazing thing. You know, over the last 50 years, only a few movies or movie series have genuinely changed how we make movies. Mm -hmm. The original Star Wars trilogy did it. Yeah. Jurassic Park did it. And Lord of the Rings did it. Definitely.
0: Definitely. Like, mocap is now pretty standard, and not just for movies for like video even shitty video games like require a motion capture performance to convey a sense of realism and take all this stupid time off of the animators who could be focusing on textures and lighting rather than specific elbow movements and, and smile lines uh it, it's it,
2: like we've gone back to uh, shitty rotoscoping like the animated it, it, lord of the rings a part
0: of it was called the process was still called rotoscoping uh really? some of this yeah like it, like oh in the, like in Bakshi's Lord of the Rings
2: Like let's film some guys in a in a state park, and then we'll just sort of smear some paint on them and call it anime. (laughs) What
0: what I I particularly love, I think they were talking about. It was like a reshoot. What's this? I forget what the swamp is called, Mm
2: -hmm. but
0: Mm -hmm. they shot it outdoors, which is typically not something you do when you're green screening out an entire world. But it looks good because it's lit by sun. It's lit by the (laughs) sun. It looks real. And like I, there are. Little tiny things about Gollum that I think, you know, I wouldn't say they don't hold up, but it's like it would have been done a little shadow and just a little better with modern technology. But it doesn't, you don't pause to think about it at all. It was just me looking. Because
3: for one thing, they don't overdo the CGI. Mm -hmm. Andy Serkis's Gollum is impressive, but so is... All the practical effects, yeah. you know, uh, that was a mistake The Hobbit made that this did not. There are so many practical effects on um, this, which are just, how'd you do that? Oh, just forced perspective. Yeah. And they will never well, age. We got a hundred
2: guys on horses and we had them yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah. we, we built a, yeah. a,
0: a two-story tall model to replicate a 15-story building. Like, cool. Bigatures. Bigatures.
3: You, uh, Google pictures of Peter Jackson standing next to these bigotures. Mm-hmm. it is just like <laughs> wow you built that and never again will that happen there will never be a bigoture. and that makes me sad no
0: i don't know i still i still think that that aspect of it like just there's there's something about it that even when like the hobbits are being grabbed by treebeard and stuff like that i could probably be done better with modern technology but still doesn't look
3: bad i think it still looks good well, before Lord of the Rings, when you had your fantasy films, it was always confined. You'd be mm-hmm. like, here's the throne room and a field with our horses. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Jackson has grand sweeping vistas of Hobbiton, right. of Rivendell, of Minas Tirith, of Ro-Hop. the towers, of the mountains, of everything. It's great. And going big like that was one of the best decisions he ever made on this film series. And he made a lot of amazing decisions.
0: Yeah, it's, it's phenomenal. And I feel like, and I'm all, I'm only talking so much about it because a lot of the, like, take everything we praise Lord or Fellowship about, you can just copy-paste that over to here. But I, th- I do feel like this one gets gets lost in some of the rewatches. If you're not doing a full trilogy rewatch, I think most of our hearts are captured by the beginning and the end of the story. But the middle yeah, is, a lot is, of is wonderful. From this, though. Oh, yeah. Potatoes, yeah. meats <laughs> back on the Taking menu. Taking the hobbits to Isengard, for fuck's sake. Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah I, I feel that because I think of my ranking of them it probably is the weakest, but, you know, again, that's like an A minus yes. <laughs> as opposed to an A or an A plus. Every, the, every there film. are little teeny things there that it's sort of like, well, how did Faramir find out Boromir died? I don't know. Or, oh, we're going to spend some time with this. Why is everyone trusting Brad Dourif? He ain't got no eyebrows. Don't trust him. <laughs> <laughs>
3: uh, for me, this is A plus for every single film in the series. I'm going to say it. For me, you're mm-hmm. welcome to like what you like. This is the best trilogy of all time. There is no other The three most consistent,
1: films yeah.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. I, they, I, they, are,
2: they, they are so equally weighted. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's true because yeah, I mean, Return God of the God Jedi got...
3: 3, Return of the Jedi's got some issues. <laughs> yeah, Return there, of the, There's
0: uh, a Toy Story, it's got a great one, but then they made another one that's really yeah, good that... as well, but it ruins the trilogy thing.
2: Yeah, Back to the Future, some people Aren't
0: a fan of two or aren't a fan of three? No, I I think JR's. I mean, like I I think think someone someone younger might argue the Tom Holland Spider Man, but uh, I won't because like Mm -hmm. so the reason why I don't those don't become classics because those are all like kind of teen comedies at the end of the day uh, until No Way Home. But like, yeah, this is there is no one that is effectively worse than the last one at all. Like it's all part of it's all it's all required and it's all wonderful. Yes, that's yeah. a good
2: point. Except that if you do watch them all back to back, you will hopefully, like me, become very, very annoyed by Aragorn's uh, plan every time is let's get surrounded.
0: <laughs> he does
2: it twice here. <laughs> like, or Aragorn, if you're, you're watching your old DVDs. like, plan.
0: I've come to you now to ask you to change the disc. Like <laughs> <laughs> Don't have to do that on uh, the 4K Blu-ray ones.
3: But uh, I went on a ski trip over mm-hmm. Thanksgiving break with my family. He means cocaine. And I, uh, our hotel had a theater room you could rent. Mm. And on Monday, I rented it, and we watched Fellowship. On Tuesday, we watched Two Whoa. Towers. On Wednesday, we watched Return of the King. And on oh. Thursday, we all got COVID. <laughs> That's but like, those three days, Yeah. days—Monday, uh, Tuesday, Wednesday—were hey, amazing days. Better than better so than the happy. Hobbit movies. Uh, <laughs> oh, we didn't watch those. <laughs> Just um, saying, but uh, yeah, we watched an Rather edited COVID. compression. I did. I
0: did download that we after, after we talked about it. I didn't get to get to watch
3: it. But if if you don't know, like
0: I, I, I'm trying to keep my eyes fresh, and I, I've been able. Lord, our Lord of the Rings rewatches, I'm doing specifically for for thirty twenty ten and those notes, but. I have on both occasions gone in a month early <laughs> and, and, <laughs> and and watched it in in two segments, just because I don't want to not be able to get through it. And again, it was it was I I really liked our Hobbit discussion because I if if I wasn't watching Two Towers at the same time, I wouldn't have had that many insights into what doesn't work and what does work in these films. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, But it still
3: yeah. holds up with kids. My, my kids uh, watched all three of them, enjoyed all three of them. Will <laughs> it mean <laughs> as much to them as it did to me? No. But does it still hold up? Yes. These are movies yeah. which, if they were released today, you wouldn't really question it. I mm-hmm. mean, if it was released today, you'd be like, wow, they used more practical effects than normal and their CGI was a little off, but it could still absolutely be released today. That I quality mean it's, is it's that released. Was re-released? this their first viewing? It was their very first Damn.
2: viewing. Oh, that's really yeah. special. Then to special like have day. a little theater and watch this mm-hmm. big crazy movie. Oh man!
3: Exactly. I, that's I, I, fun. I spent the cash to make it special, and I'm glad I did. It will always be a good memory of watching these films with my kids. It, it meant a lot to me. That's
0: yeah. sweet. And I was gonna say, like, uh, I my girl was talking about, like, um going like oh yeah we took a trip to chattanooga and then up through uh nashville I'm like oh i went to nashville and she's like you did you know when I'm like i do it was 20 years to this day because i don't remember anything else i did in nashville but the two towers came out and there was an imax theater and i we had no imax theater and that's what we planned everything we did in nashville around the two towers <laughs> wow <laughs> the Two towers.
2: fuck you great old opry yes
3: fuck
0: you musicians i'm going to watch this nerd tr- the-
3: Yeah, Uh, see, and for me, I would love if I had ever been a part of the making of these movies, not for the money, not for the experience, not for the fame, but just for the experience of making these films, just watching those making of documentaries made me want to make a movie so badly. it's mm. it looked like such an amazing, hard, difficult, but so rewarding experience that i I just wish I could have been part of it and and it well I think you...
2: it did the impossible and that it made me want to go see a fantasy movie
3: mm.
1: because mm. I am
2: not a fan of fantasy movies. I went to the first one because I liked Peter Jackson, and I was curious how they're going to pull this off. but, I was a little reluctant to go, and I was like, "Holy shit, that was amazing!" <laughs> and this one, I was like, "Yeah, let's do this." How we he's gonna fuck this up? How is he gonna fuck it up? Though is this gonna be lots of like, "Oh my lord, blah blah blah," and because you have the magic sword, and you're the chosen one. And I'm just, I hate that shit so much. And then there, no, there wasn't. There's none of that shit.
3: Yeah, Can't Jackson had so much passion. I mean, he made. One thousand eight hundred pair of hobbit feet for this film. I mean, that's yeah. passion. I
0: mean, I, I I love the the joke that like you know if you lived in New Zealand, there is like a sixty percent chance you were in this movie, and, and <laughs> like most most people like both of the flight of the Concords guys are before they met one another, and wow. <laughs> they're just they're in yeah. the movie somewhere.
2: I I spotted Petey at this time too. I was like, there he is. Yep, that's him.
0: Yeah. Yep. Like,
2: it, there's, there's Peter Jackson and, 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 right right around the time as as the. Uh, the scream, the Wilhelm scream. I was like, yeah. And
0: lastly, as I think, as we zoom, we zoom out and see more of the world of Middle Earth. It is, I think, it you could speak to this better than me, Jr. But it is sort of neat, you know, that kids, you're looking at a real location in mm-hmm. all these places and things, places you could run around and visit on your own. Because I do think that's amazing, and that's what I did.
3: I went to New Zealand because mm-hmm. of the Lord of the Rings film. I did run around locations, and I was like. <laughs> I'm in Middle Earth! Yay! Well, yeah, I've seen the videos. Yes, but just like, but it, Peter Jackson's
0: sense of like, I don't want to say like architecture. You kind of like get a sense of yep. like the structure he of these towns cities. and he and makes yeah. it real. And, and and you
2: see the the difference in the styles of architecture. Mm-hmm. How you know Hobbiton looks different from this town, which looks different from Rohan, which has much more of a. Nordic sort of thing going
0: on. Yeah. Why are you building
2: production design?
0: Build your town so high. Did you want to like be away from water? What's wrong
3: with you people? (laughs) Uh, So one of my favorite things that I learned uh, in New Zealand when I toured Hobbiton is that uh, when he was building Hobbiton to film, uh, he said, okay, that's where the uh, clothes are being dried but if the clothes are being dried over there, there really needs to be a path. So he had people walk across a path two hundred <laughs> times, so there would be a path in the grass wow. to uh, where the clothes are being hanged. To I tra- mean, trampling the earth for yeah. the benefit of film. Yeah.
2: Uh, hey, it, it's detailed. Like it, it would look wrong if it wasn't there. You you wouldn't be able to put your finger on I'm why. I'm not but shitting on
3: any like... aspect of this movie, goddammit. it. I yep. love it. Yeah. Uh, All right, we we haven't talked about Helms Deep though. Helms Deep is still the standard which most fantasy action scenes are judged against. Rightly so. This is a battle where every aspect of it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Hey, you can. It's not fall. a. Well,
2: it's not a battle. That's a siege. That's You're how right. you film a
0: scene. And how did, it, how did
3: it hold up for you guys? Because I was a little tired at this point. And um, oh, and... I I adored it, but I was also yeah. watching it through my own kids' eyes. Mm. You know, yeah. I was seeing them watch it for the first time, and mm. you know, I got fond memories of playing that Lord of the Rings video games where I was fighting uh, yep. the Battle of Helm's Deep I'll, too. I'll so say- I felt for them.
2: It builds tension beautifully because even this is one point where it's like, well, if you have this indefensible, this amazing fortress, why don't you just like stay there all the time? Like, you're very likely to get killed on your way to the fortress. And then that happens, which isn't in the book, but it makes sense to have hyenas attacks or whatever. But then <laughs> you built it like the Death Star where it has a major flaw.
3: But well, they didn't know gunpowder existed.
2: They didn't know gunpowder existed. That makes sense. But... Still ramping up the tension of we don't have enough people, we don't have enough supplies. We got women and children down in the caves. Let's take a bunch of ten-year-olds and put helmets on them. Oh fuck! Oh fuck! Oh, oh fuck! That
3: scene. <laughs> oh, that got me then, and that got me now. That is.
2: Mm-mm. That is
3: oof. That hits home.
2: Um, yep. it's uh yeah, and it was still I'm going like, well, let some of the women fight. Damn it! But yeah, and they they do let some some of the women fight, and then the elves show up, and you're like, I kind of missed why the elves were showing up. I guess they're just being cool. Thanks, uh, elves. Gandalf
3: talked to them. Yes. Um, but yeah. Oh, and then good. he said, wait for me for the dawn of the dawn fifth of the day. Fifth so day. we know there's a countdown timer.
2: <laughs> right. And then Aragorn is like, hey, it's the dawn of the fifth day. Let's all ride out there. It's like, bitch, just stay there. Gandalf's almost <laughs> here. No, no, let's go out and get surrounded because I love being surrounded. That's my favorite <laughs> thing in the world. Fucking Aragorn. Uh,
3: <laughs> and I, I got to say, it's... Cool guy, also amazing strategist. to me that at the end of the movie they had a walking, talking tree that didn't feel silly or break the suspension of disbelief and that oh. took part in a battle. They made yeah. it work.
2: They made That's... it work. I was like, fuck yeah, trees. Yeah, you awesome. yeah, of course
3: they hate
0: the fucking orcs. We saw what they did in the first movie to his brothers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was awful. Yeah. It was a
2: massive like, oh, industrialization. Fuck this noise.
3: Fuck well that jam, was
2: fuck your your factory fuck you like
3: that was no Tolkien's whole whole thing he yep. uh was an anti-industrialist he did not like industrialization and he was at the steam age of industrialization with coal well, not electricity but straight uh, up coal and yeah. it was dirty and smelly and that's what he grew up with and he uh, idealized the rural life which is where we get hobbiton and then we get mordor industrialization bad and what i really admire about peter jackson is how he kept the spirit of tolkien in mm-hmm. his films i mean jrr well,
2: honestly he's got christopher lee there to be like hey i knew jrr <laughs> <laughs> and this is what he said because yeah. i'm christopher lee and i'm scary
3: oh he also had said to uh, jackson uh Mr. Jackson, do you know what a man sounds like when you th- hit, slit his throat? Peter Jackson: No, I don't. Christopher Lee: Why? Well, I do, because yeah. he was a Secret Service, uh, secret, yeah, not Secret Service, uh, special forces guy mm-hmm. in World War II. So he literally yeah. slit throats. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah, that keeping the spirit of Tolkien was amazing because this is an author who is objectively more popular than 99.99999% of all authors who have ever written. You know, he's more popular than them. How do you adapt that? How do you, you know, have the arrogance to think that you can improve it? I mean, uh, I think Jackson there were, didn't. There was like 10 he years he could adapt
0: it. There was 10 years of people thinking Hollywood in particular thinking this was unfilmable. Why bother? Mm-hmm. There's no way to oh, do yeah. this. Yep. And
2: yeah, and I, I love that, uh, it you know, I mean, in so many ways, it's the whole story is kind of a metaphor for um, protectionism versus interventionism. I know people have interpreted that way to be about World War One or to be about World War Two whatever. But yeah, the, I'd forgotten about Marion Pippin's argument of just like, oh, well, well, I guess we failed. We should just go home. And they're like, there will be no home to go home to. Yeah, we we're in this now. Everyone's in this now. Mm-hmm. And I was like. Yay! Mm. That was an applause line for me of like, that's right, that's right you gotta Uh, confront it
3: This is my applause line, this is one of my favorite lines from the film I wonder if we'll ever be put into songs or tales What?
1: I wonder if people will ever say let's hear about Frodo in the ring and they'll say, yes, it's one of my favorite stories
3: Frodo was really courageous wasn't he, Dad?
1: Yes, my boy The most famousest of hobbits And that's saying a lot (gasps) You've left
3: out one of the chief characters Samwise the Brave I want to hear more about Sam
1: Frodo wouldn't have got far without Sam Now Mr. Frodo You shouldn't make fun I was being serious
3: So was I Oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, the relationship Friendship. between Sam and Frodo is so good and so pure, and they capture the deep filio love that these two have yeah, between uh, each other please, in an amazing way.
0: Please allow me to point this out, because like, it's not that Sean Astin is a prolific actor, but to make Ooh. a performance that somehow outshines Rudy <laughs> and the Goonies and fucking toy soldiers please ah, uh in cenoman like to make to make a genre film like this at his age that completely overshadows all the other genre work he's ever done is pretty
3: astounding pretty yeah. goddamn astounding and and Knocked i locked it out of the part every actor did every actor there's not an actor who i'm like well you're not sam you're mm-hmm. not pippin <laughs> they are pippin they are yep. sam
0: a- every one of them and i don't have a good point about it but i just i admire something about like Peter Jackson, like you know, I just see John rhys Davies as Gimli and Tree Beard. <laughs> like like <laughs> Yeah, like maybe not overcomplicated. He's here, have him do Treebeard. and he's awesome, but it's just so odd to cast two people in the same role in the same film. But, but it works. No one, I, love I mean, beard. most people that's don't a notice great
3: voice. Yeah. Most people don't even I notice. I never I never got confused by it. I yeah. was always like, That's Treebeard, that's Gimli. Period. End of story. It, it, I just <laughs> think it's cool.
2: Did, did you guys watch the uh, Josh Gad-led reunion online at the beginning of the yes. pandemic?
3: Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty that adorable. Yeah. It they all like pretty, each other.
2: They all just seem to really like each other. And, like, no one gets to talk much because there's so many of them, but I think John Rhys-Davies probably wins because he's like, there's one point where he just gets out his Gimli helmet, puts it on, and then tilts the camera upward so he looks really short. And he's like, okay, I'm ready.
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I love that in Return of the King, he burned the Gimli makeup because he was so tired. It Uh, took like three hours every day to put that on him. I don't doubt it.
0: Mm -hmm. Just to look like asterisks. Let's move on, even though I don't care to at all. Um, Lord Lord of the Rings is special, and and Two Towers is just such an important and the most understated piece of that, and I encourage everyone—they—they they could check have missed it.
3: I mean, it could have been a great first movie and a bad second movie, and then what would have happened? You know? Yeah,
2: then it would just sort of limped into a finale. and Everyone go like, yeah. well, uh. it is—it is, it yeah.
3: is absolutely
0: shocking how few trilogies we have that just get better with each one, or yeah. and just stand as a or whole, or stay the
3: same. You know? Yeah. How many trilogies where do we have where every film is an A? It just
0: it was just Toy Story. Yeah.
1: <laughs> no, not
0: many, man. Uh, yeah, it is. It is. It is few. I would say Back to the Future toy Story. What was the one you said? Oh, this one. Yes. Um. Yeah. I love Back to the Future three. Fuck what everybody else says. Yeah, um. Me too. And let's move on to television, even though we don't want to. Uh, this is fun. Because <laughs> this
2: is fun. This is. Our, the, us the TV show
3: kind 20 of twenty years
2: before us.
0: <laughs> I
3: was going to say, podcasts have destroyed the market for TV shows like this.
0: Yes, mm-hmm. I love the '80s. The uh, specials begin airing on VH1 and kind of change what VH1 becomes uh, mm-hmm. afterwards. And yeah, I, this was huge for them. But it yeah. was it was we do live in a youtube world where we can watch a short documentary about just about any nostalgic thing we want to and look up these commercials but we weren't youtube is not does not exist yep. here so when they're talking about like he-man and contextualizing what it is with clips and then having funny people make fun of it it's it's like it was more than just podcasts. it's like if wikipedia was read to you by hal sparks like a like <laughs>
2: yeah i love that they got into minutiae that no one ever brings up it's like oh the 80s we all remember you know uh, um desperately seeking susan but no one ever talks about like the the bad uh electric football you're right no one talks about electric football because it's terrible
0: (laughs) and i i just i don't remember like it was such a broad subject matter like a whole decade in like if you look at what CNN does mostly now as original entertainment, it is this. Mm-hmm. They, they call it things yeah, like m- movies. What was the movie one that just came out? There? They call it something right. classy, but it is just "I Love
3: the 80s with fewer jokes. And yeah. and and, yeah. and the jokes were good. You know, they mm-hmm. they hired professional comedians and various people who were famous in the eighties, and they got good writers.
0: I I never forget, every time I see He-Man, I think of Michael Ian Black's, uh, they're talking about He-Man and you're like, oh, is he battling a skeleton? Where do we keep our skeletons? In a closet, which we escape when we have the power. I understand. I know what's going on. Here. Like, <laughs> what a great way to sum up, what a great way to sum up He-Man. Um, and then, uh, tragic, this is, how is this not tragic? Firefly, air quotes, ends, what the fuck
3: <laughs> it mm. ends with the pilot with the first okay. episode <laughs> i, I cannot imagine being a low-key firefight fan in 2002 you know not the guy who's on the internet reading all about it yeah but just you tune in and you're like oh this is a good show i'll keep watching you watch week after week and then the pilot which is showing you the start of the series is shown in what you think is the middle of the series, yeah, and then there are no new episodes ever again.
0: What did I do to get a two-hour prequel? Uh, what's the next episode about? Oh, nothing. It'll never. I'll never see this again. Great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what a shitty thing to do. And like, if it wasn't, <sighs> if it wasn't worth airing to begin with, I don't even understand why you air it here. It's almost more offensive you to, to, to do burn it. Burn
3: it off. You've already filmed I guess, it. I but it's like, two hours. Something new is better than nothing new. <sighs> so you go. Yep. All right, we'll just show it. And that's a. Sci fi series, which no one will ever talk about or bother talks about (laughs) again, right?
0: Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Now in the hands of Disney, where I'm sure they will forget they own it, uh, much like me and my Battlebots DVD. Speaking of, uh, (laughs) Battlebots ends on Comedy Central.
3: Yep. It's such an intrinsic appeal. You know, I never like deliberately tuned in to BattleBots, but if I was just flipping around the channels and it was on, I'd like go, right. okay. If, if I I I I'm bouncing I'm through yeah.
0: TikTok Absolutely. or reels or some shit, a BattleBot performance will come up. I'm like, why wouldn't I watch this? That's fine. I would have preferred Upright Citizens Brigade be in that time slot. And not BattleBots, Comedy Central was a bizarre choice, but it's not the weirdest piece of channel drift we've ever seen by any means. And the show has gone on to continue to exist and be a kind of powerful franchise on and off television for ever
3: since. It's
2: Yeah, it came back in 2015. It's come back since then. It's like, yeah, who doesn't like robots? It's a good concept.
3: It will never be not entertaining. I mean, BattleBots in 2055, yeah. I'm sure that'll be a thing. Why wouldn't it be?
0: And then, and when that, if we get real steel out of it, it was all it was all worth it. Uh, and <laughs> uh, also this week, C-Lab 2021, a show even I forget exists, but love so much, uh, The Feast of Alvis, their Christmas episode airs. Uh, can we get it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let, we got a clip.
1: You are
2: forgetting the true meaning of Alvis time. I, uh, do, huh? Neither is it ham nor palm. Nay, the true meaning of Alvis time... Is drinking. Drinking in revenge.
1: Well, I got eggnog, but I don't think it's enough to get really loaded. Crap, screamer! More of a liqueur. Behold! It's a miracle! Truly an Elvis time miracle!
0: it all turned into whiskey. (laughs) Yeah. uh,
3: So, I loved C-Lab 2021 Mm -hmm. when it was on, and I haven't watched it since. And going back and revisiting... I am not in my early twenties anymore, mm-hmm. and uh, the humor is not hitting me as much as it did back then. Well, uh, this
0: I, the, the, it's it's that a uh, whole adult swim period where even the writers and creators like I can't seem to be winking at you and like I can't believe you're even watching this. We didn't try very hard on this <laughs> because we actually can't. All we can do is write it and animate it in the strictest, most literal term of what animation actually is. Those those writers. Would all go on to make uh, Archer, which mm-hmm. considerably more time and work go into. But at the time, like, just you have to remember, like, cartoons were expensive. Like South Park is the only, like, the big, most bigly popular thing right now. It was kind of a miracle to have like these cutting edge weirdo shows, and they were. And by the time you got tired of them, it was ten minutes had gone by and the credits were rolling. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, true. Okay. But uh, I would like to point out, you can absolutely get blind drunk on eggnog really? uh, it's oh, called yeah. nuclear nog and uh, you oh. just have nuclear have it be nog. very strong and you're you're gonna be like oh this, this is tasty and then oh right this is really really alcoholic. I
0: had uh, like this super potent alcoholic root beer and I'm like this is fucking delicious I can drink this all night and by like the third one I'm like this is like pounding six liters of Dr. Pepper I feel sick I feel so sick I could never <laughs> drink I, so sweet stuff I don't know but speaking of uh, uh, Adult Swim, Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Christmas time. Mail order bride. Where does that babe get in? Carl,
3: don't refer to her as a babe, please. She is a Chechenian prostitute and you will address well, look, her as just such. Well, look, don't cash that check
1: immediately. I mean, I want to make sure that both of us marrying her is going to be, you know, legal. Of
3: course it is. Are you kidding me? Santa Claus ain't legal and he's around? Yeah, you know, I guess that makes sense. You know, of course it makes sense. <laughs> well, Aquatine Hunger Force <laughs> held up much better than Sea Lab Twenty Twenty One. It 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 got some chuckles out of me. Uh,
0: mm-hmm. It 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 has a license to be a little weirder than than Sea Lab was allowed to be. It was sort of literally stuck at the bottom of the ocean with the same cast. Aquatine is kind of non sequitur boil to its essence. But I'm so yeah. I'm so glad you put the next entry in here because uh, when I started. Writing about Christmas specials, I was shocked to learn. It was through the same archive project that was trying to make mystery science theater episodes available. They pointed out, did anybody know there was a Canadian Christmas special hosted by Dave Foley called The True Meaning of Christmas Specials that aired 20 years ago?
2: I've never heard of this. Right. It's It's it's,
0: hilarious. it's, It's it's. it's very smart <laughs> and clever. Okay, I, It's not something I go back and revisit all the time, but it, it, is, it always makes me laugh. I'm a big Dave Foley fan. I think The Wrong Guy is one of the funniest movies ever made. But here's a clip of the true meaning of Christmas specials, which Dave Foley's trying to find the answer to. I'm going to give him a piece of my mind.
1: Oh, I'm afraid they cannot hear or see us. We're in the land of shadows now.
3: So, you mean none of them can see me?
1: doing?
3: Just taking my pants off.
1: Well, don't! I can still see you!
3: Oh. What the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> you wish that was the only time you saw Dave Foley's dick, but
3: I've now seen it. Uh, But yeah, yeah, this is a literal examination of Christmas specials. They go through the whole thing of, you know, Christmas specials are really designed to sell you high fructose corn syrup. That's yes. their purpose. But it, and, it also uh, begins
0: with like Dave Foley, his, his Christmas specials already started and he hasn't even realized it yet. It's, it's very meta and very uh, smart. And Mike Myers, I love that he appears to give him advice bathing in a bathtub full of cash.
3: Because yeah. and uh, he asked uh, Dave Foley if uh, he should uh, add the Wayne's World money or the Austin Powers money. <laughs> and he said, I'm feeling nostalgic. The Wayne's World money, <laughs> Tom Green oh, is, man. yeah,
2: yeah, Tom Green's in it. Dick Dale is in it, surf yeah. guitar legend. Elves, the Mexican Elvis. What <laughs> I love, Elves. it's a
0: true, truly lost clarity
2: and Dave Thomas. Yeah, wise.
0: it's a. Comedy nerd's dream, but kind of a lost piece of media, and I encourage people to track down. Uh, I'm going
2: to track this down. Ending that's up
0: right. with the uh, video games of
3: 2002, we got Sonic Advance 2 on GBA, which is... Basically, it felt like it was a original Sega Genesis game uh, transported through time. It's, it's new Sonic levels.
0: Okay, that's what I was
3: unclear on. It's not just a remake of Sonic 2. Good lord. No. It's uh, definitely not a remake. Okay, yeah. I know
0: I played Sonic Adventure? I'm confused, but you know, while I get my bearings, let's go out with uh, "They're Taking the Hobbit's card. One of the yes! first <laughs> viral things I can remember on the internet before there was even a YouTube. Uh, wonderful earworm of a remix you have definitely heard before. But stay right there. We got more to talk about when we get back. Hello, fellow nerf herders. Did you not like Last Jedi, Rise of the Skywalker, or would you just prefer a majority of Star Wars fans take a slow walk into a volcano? What I'm saying is, are you sick of Star Wars? Well, I thought I was, but my co-host Jeremy and Adam beg to differ, except when they don't. Get ready for a whole lot of love, a whole lot of hate, and a whole lot of geeky therapy in our new series, Sick of Star Wars, with a big, giant question mark, exclusively available at patreon.com slash Here's a little taste.
1: My country.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, we are talking about empire strikes back uh, here's a little bit of a teaser trailer from 1979
3: luke skywalker and han solo rescued the princess destroyed the death star but their story didn't end there
0: so can you tell who the narrator is dude it it sounds like a, a powdered toast man like a reader that's what's so crazy about <laughs> it because the narrator is harrison ford is it really? Yeah, he's he's just doing like, no a work, like, a, like a radio. Yeah, it's the most enthusiastic performance I've ever heard from Harrison yeah, Ford ever, in my ever. life. <laughs> uh, but it's but you can hear it. Listen. Now, the creators of the biggest smash hit of all time bring you the next episode in the Star Wars saga: "The Empire Strikes Back." It, the title it is the that's, title was, the title "Empire Strikes Back" was I think leaked as early as 1978. It sounds like. My wife listens to podcasts on 1.25 speed. It Still sounds do like it. I can't either. It sounds like chipmunk <laughs> to me. That's what it sounds like. My monkey. Oh, that's Sick of Star Wars available exclusively at patreon.com/lasertime along with weekly bonus shows, over 100 movie commentaries, exclusive bonus podcasts and more for just 5 bucks. And that's in addition to the brand new show Sick of Star Wars, an angst ridden podcast saga told in 9 parts. Listen long and prosper.
2: This is so wizarding. Hello, Mr. And Mrs. Internet and all the ships at sea. It's time for Diana's Classic Corner. We go even further back in time this week to see if there's anything worth a watch. And for the week of December 16th through 22nd, I actually had to cut it down to just the, the bare minimums because, damn, we have a lot to talk about. So let's start with 90 years ago this week. For some reason coming out near Christmas, I don't know why, but it is The Mummy starring Boris Karloff, which is, frankly... Dracula, but better. It's just better. It's all the stuff that you're used to in Dracula of like, oh, that's my lost love and she's been reincarnated. I'm going to have to sacrifice her and then we'll be together forever. It's like, shit's out of the mummy, man. That's not out of Dracula. Holds up from 1932. You'd be surprised. Boris Karloff's a creepy guy. He's cool. He's so good at it. Moving ahead 50 years ago this week, the release of a movie that is practically impossible to see for stupid, stupid reasons. The Heartbreak Kid, directed by Elaine May, starring Charles Grodin and Sybil Shepard. There's all kinds of stupid rights issues. Apparently they've been working on them for a while and maybe Criterion is gonna get a hold of it. But right now you can only see it, not the remake, the original. You can see it in like someone's bad copy on YouTube, which sucks because I've heard this movie is hilarious. I love Elaine May. Also this week is the Western Jeremiah Johnson directed by Sidney Pollock, who we're about to talk about in a second, uh, starring Robert Redford, which is a really good, slow, personal Western which you know from the internet of bearded Robert Redford sort of smiling and nodding at you. You should actually check out the whole movie. It's beautifully shot, really interesting. But then more Sidney Pollack, 40 years ago this week, 1982, we got Tootsie. Frickin' Tootsie, one of the best comedies ever made. Yes, come at me, bro. Starring Dustin Hoffman making fun of his reputation for being a difficult actor, Bill Murray stealing every scene, Terry Garr stealing every scene, Jessica Lyon kicking some asses, like, everyone is so good in this. Oh my god, Dabney Coleman, Charles Derning, like, everyone is on fire in this movie, and you'd think for a drag comedy made in 1982, that it would come across as not in good taste anymore, like, there'd be a lot more, ew, gay! It actually is pretty tasteful, even by 2022 standards. And also, just fucking funny. It's, it's kind of shocking that Tootsie, a movie about a guy who can't get work as an actor dressing up as a woman and then getting a part. Oh no, complications, because everyone thinks he's a woman. They do a lot with a little, and it is so funny. It's one, I think it's the highest grossing movie of the year. Also, <sighs> I'm already out of breath, but uh, I feel like I should definitely mention Fanny and Alexander, one of uh, Ingmar Bergman's later wonderful films. I admit I haven't seen it in like 25 years, so I can't talk about it too much, but I can talk about The Year of Living Dangerously. There's Mel Gibson again, damn it, and Sigourney Weaver in a Peter Wilf peter weir film about uh i think he's a journalist working in indonesia when the government gets overthrown by suharto it is really tense and really good and really sweaty everybody's really sweaty all the time in it but uh yeah year of living david kind of gets lost in the shuffle of both peter weir and Mel gibson filmographies and it doesn't deserve to it's a solid solid thriller and then finally we have Jim Henson Company trying to make everyone hate them, I think, with the Dark Crystal (laughs) because people want the Muppets and fuck you, you're not getting the Muppets. You are getting dark, (laughs) deep, scary fantasy that is often unpleasant and it's creepy. Like, it opens with creepiness and then it keeps going. A couple months back, there's a Jim Henson touring exhibit I went to see at a museum and they had one of the costumes from it, costume slash puppet. And, my God, up close, it is amazing. The level of workmanship just on the costumes is spectacular. The beading and the lace and the little tiny details of everything. Like, it made me reappraise the whole thing. Like, I'm going to go watch that again, because I just remember being scared as a child. So, I know we've got an 80s In Depth, where the guys are going super, super in-depth on it, because, you all a bunch of fantasy and Henson nerds. And I felt underqualified to talk about it, because it's been so long. Except I did watch that uh netflix series which i thought was actually really good and again not a fantasy person it takes some time like it's got to be a very there's a a narrow lane of fantasy i can put up with and the dark crystal series i thought was like really good like i really enjoyed it so yeah that's a lot of fucking movies for classic corner this week stay classic
0: Coming into 2012 with Locked Out of Heaven by Bruno Mars. It is number one this week, 10 years ago, during December 16th to the 22nd. Welcome to our final segment of 302010, 10 10 years ago. Enough with the 30 and the 20. Here's the 10. Uh, And that's just a little bit of the music out this week. Trouble Man, uh, Heavy is the Head by T.I. is also out, as is Ugly Noise by Flotsam and Jetsam. Oh, I can't believe someone wants me to read uh, the news.
2: More unhappy news.
0: Uh, six health workers uh, dispensing polio vaccinations are gunned down in
3: Pakistan.
0: Yeah, this is a continuing <laughs> problem. Um, mm-hmm. this,
3: this, I th- threw this in there because it keeps happening. To date, in just the last decade, over 100 people in Pakistan have been killed uh, due to their uh, helping immunize people against killer diseases. Mm. Um, that's in 100 like, people.
2: Like the last place we have polio. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. it's like, And it's still going on. There was a murder in June of this year of someone dispensing vaccinations in uh, Pakistan. It's it's yeah. horrible. 100 is so insanely high. Uh, to put that in perspective, around 11 people in the U.S. have been killed in anti-abortion violence. That's far too many. But this is almost 10 times that number in the last decade alone.
2: Oh, my God. Hmm. We're so Mm. close to wiping out polio you bastards but yeah well there's lots of rumors and conspiracy theories they're actually working for the cia they're actually trying to sterilize muslims actually you know your usual eh, paranoia some of which is probably justified but we're so close to wiping out polio you guys Mm. oh my god i really am looking forward to i think i'm going to live to see the day where there is no polio left there's no wild. Case uh, I don't know. Like
3: I said, there was a murder just this last year. I so. know.
2: I know. We're we're getting close. Anyway, you want to hear about a funny, <laughs> a funny oh, crime please, story? Please,
0: please. Uh, Canadian police uh, begin arresting seventy people for the Great Maple Syrup Heist for stealing three thousand tons of syrup from a storage facility in Quebec.
1: Three
2: <laughs> thousand tons. Tons. Of people. Yeah. syrup which is worth 18 million dollars canadian wow how,
3: yeah. do you, how
0: do you hide that
3: <laughs> well there's a fantastic netflix uh uh episode about it it's dirty money the maple syrup heist and you can oh, I watch I it on it. netflix and it is amazing it's really good Dirty money is a and great Amazon case. has ordered a series based upon this real life heist.
0: Good. Oh my God! God, I can't wait to see how many people get killed. Yeah, in this heist.
3: yeah. Uh, basically, Canada had a maple syrup reserve because the price of maple syrup kept fluctuating too much. So they said, "Well, we want our gr- growers to have a reliable income and not boom or bust. So we're going to get a big reserve. We'll sell it when it's uh, a glut on the market, and we'll buy it when there's a We'll sell it when there's not much on the market and we'll uh, buy it when there's too much on the market. That way our growers, which it's, maple syrup isn't like growing rice. It's a slow, long process. So they wanted stability and they needed some place to store all this syrup. They stored it and someone went, you know, that's like a couple tens of millions of dollars worth of syrup there. (laughs) Not a a lot of security. The problem was they filled up the barrels with water. And water uh, bleeds through metal in a way that maple syrup doesn't. So they noticed that some of their giant tubs of what should be maple syrup were leaking water. And well, then they, they went, covered
2: oh. up. They covered up the heist. It wasn't just like take the barrels, put them on a truck driveway. No, 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 no. No, you got to leave the barrels where they are.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: We just transfer all of. The maple syrup out, yeah. Like How a, do you do that? I don't know. Very Walter silly. White and style, it,
0: man. You stop a train, you have you Jesse Plemons kill a kid, <laughs> just, yeah.
3: but yeah, watch the maple syrup documentary on Netflix. It's it's a hell of a ride. Mm. Oh
2: my god,
3: that's actually a recommend of the week for me. Is that Netflix <laughs> yeah. documentary on this? Yeah. Doesn't count, not 30 20 10 ish.
0: Uh, I'm just kidding, sure, uh, it is. I know. Sure I know. It is. Uh, and then moving on to uh, movies of 2012, The Hobbit: Unexpected Journey is still number one at the box office, kind of miraculously. Um, they made a billion dollars. It's I, know, be I, know, a billion. I know, I know, I know. Why wouldn't it be number one this week? But it's just not. Yeah, okay. Good. Moving, moving on to uh, <laughs> the uh, the movie that I feel more people should know about, even though like I don't love it either. Uh, mm. but I, I don't hate it, but like we don't have anything else from David Chase that's not The Sopranos from the last 30 years. But here we have Will Brill, Jack Houston, John uh, Maguro, uh Lisa Lampanelli, what? Price, uh, what is, uh, Molly Price, Christopher McDonald, Bella Heathcote, uh, James Gandolfini and Brad Garrett and not Fade Away. Uh, a movie written and directed by David Chase, coming of age story, um, set in the 60s. Oh.
2: Yeah, I I feel like a jerk that I didn't, watch this because it sounds like besides right up my alley, I'm listening to the podcast um, mm. History of Rock and Roll in 500 Songs, and he goes really in-depth on all of these different bands, even bands like you don't really know anything about, and like the history of some of these bands it really is just like we could form a band. That seems like an easy way to get chicks. Oh my God, we accidentally have a hit number one. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. And then the bassist leaves and the bass- and then the drummer gets fired and then one of them goes to the army and then they get in some other guy and he doesn't get along with anyone. And then he goes off and starts this other band that you've heard of. And you're like, <laughs> the, the constant musical chairs of these different bands and how you end up hearing of like all of them is,
1: mm-hmm.
2: sounds like that's kind of what this movie's about, about kids starting yeah. a band like during the British invasion in the 60s.
3: Uh, <laughs> and okay. Sort of <laughs>
2: accidentally becoming popular. I don't
3: know. Gen X has a reputation for too much nostalgia, but we have yeah. nothing compared to the boomers. Yeah. Uh, the the 60s have been jerked off so much that decade should have <laughs> severe chafing. I mean, it's it's just been done to death, and there's there's nothing going on for this film other than the fact that hey, remember the sixties, man? That's it. You, I think it, it, it
0: seems like David Chase is trying to sell some semi autobiographical or personal story, like set in a specific time period. He understands, but yes, to us that is how it reads. I would say in defense of boomer nostalgia, they just had longer to do it. Uh, if you watch old Disney cartoons, there's a crazy amount of nostalgia for the early <laughs> the early 20th century and before as well. Though. We just our generation hasn't had it haven't had as much time to be nostalgic. I'm sure we will oversaturate ourselves and make it disgusting uh, at mm. some point, as will Gen Z and every other generation. But yeah, it's yep. disappointing that like the the come off like the the, the a television show that completely changed everything reteam with its star, and it's this movie. <laughs> Holy shit! <laughs> yeah,
2: and it like barely got released. Mm-hmm. Like it kind of never had a chance. I remember it, its reputation is pretty good i'm looking like 68 percent on rotten tomatoes
1: mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm.
2: for like the act the indie critics who actually got to see it and yeah i, I feel bad i haven't gotten around to it and yeah, maybe i'll add it to my list because there's i don't know i think my tolerance for 60s nostalgia is a little higher than everyone else's here <laughs>
0: um yeah. i do love
2: the british invasion it's so funny there's so many bands that were american who like pretended to be british <laughs> Everyone gets the beetle haircut and they're like, uh, yeah, we're British. Like you're from Portland. Uh, we're the Bow Rebels. That sounds British. <laughs>
0: yeah. Let us see here. Is it streaming anywhere? And yeah, like a James Gandolfini is not long for this world. Um, no, no. No. God, no, that's that's yeah. It's not sadly not streaming for free anywhere, but you can get it anywhere you rent on demand video. Another interesting movie that's not at that interesting.
2: <laughs> it's kind of boomer nostalgia almost. Yeah,
0: and it's it's notable certainly. Vigo Mortensen, Amy Adams, Kristen Stewart, Garrett Headland and Sam Riley and On the Road. Um
2: my god, they've been trying to film this. Kerouac himself was trying to get this filmed.
0: Well, it is well, simply <sighs> unfilmable. It's like one of the Yes, the fir- <laughs> first books my dad ever gave me. And if you don't know anything about it, I'm sure you've heard it's Stream of Consciousness, but it's more about a guy writing about what's happening in the entire world at that very moment. And you can't show that in a movie. Mm. You you can't show that. It's not really the story. There's a light story of these people hitchhiking across the country, but uh, that's not the whole, that's
3: not where the book is special. It's really this bohemian lifestyle that Mm. before Jack Kerouac wrote this book, really wasn't that possible the u.s needed to get rich enough that you yeah. could have a bunch of young kids with the freedom true. to not do much and not go start working at the factory at age 15 and but birth just control go around <laughs> with their cars in the new uh interstate highway system we developed driving around doing drugs it's and still it's still
0: a job by the way delivering cars is a lucrative business uh, <laughs> and
3: they hire ex-cons so like feel free to <laughs> take advantage of that mm. gig But I I feel like this is a bit like John Carter. John Carter was an inspiration Ah. from everything from Superman in 1939 to Star Wars in 1977. But everything after that was referencing Superman or Star Wars, not John Carter. And we've had so many movies over the last 50 years about young people doing drugs and having this experience that when this came out, it wasn't really fresh. Just like when John Carter came out, it didn't feel fresh because the inf- inspiration for all that other stuff had been done so many I, times. I beforehand. know, but, I, but I'm telling yeah. you like it
0: in the text of the book, you only hear from the narrator and the narrator is talking about everything that's happening in the world and global politics. Okay. You can't film that. <laughs> yeah. You can only does, film the story of of, of t- three people hitchhiking. Uh, yeah. It, and,
2: and that story even can get kind of repetitive. Yeah. You know, they, it generally, they do the they, same thing over and over s- again. Yeah. They go somewhere. They meet someone else. They hang out. They go somewhere. They meet someone else. Oh, they got work picking cotton. It turns mm-hmm. out that's really hard. Then they go somewhere and they meet someone else. And yeah, it's it, I appreciate them trying to film it. And again, another one I didn't get to see. I've heard the performances are really good. Yeah. Garrett, Garrett, Hedlund, I, Garrett in, Hedlund, the
0: only thing I've seen him out of outside of Tron Legacy and he's he's fine is yeah. uh, Dean Moriarty.
2: Yeah. Which is tough. It's a tough part because he's got to be very charismatic. You like, you want to spend time in a car with this guy. Yeah. And it's just, it sounds like it's about as good as you're going to get filming yeah. this. It's, it's filmed by uh, Walter Salas. Who's, it's very pretty. Uh, also did the Motorcycle Diaries, mm-hmm. which is very similar <laughs> about a journey of discovery on a road trip.
0: It's it's so, it's it's the yeah. best possible result of a pointless endeavor, mm-hmm. and that that you could you could. And I'm, I'm not like the biggest fan of the book, but my like you know I read it at a really early age and at a at, also 15 years ago, so I remember the book pretty okay. And there's been better movies told about these characters um, mm-hmm. than this movie. So look up a, things to do in Denver. You're dead or something like that. I don't know. Um, yeah,
2: I don't know. Depicting the Beats is is almost as. Just- it's really hard, uh, even compared to like depicting hippies.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Because you have to show what they're dropping out of.
0: Yeah. And why are they so well dressed? And, yeah. And- I know. <laughs>
2: even, even dirt bags back then, back then dressed so nice. Yeah.
0: And somehow getting laid less. Uh, a movie. Yeah. I, anyway. I, I another did, road trip movie. Another road trip movie I did bother to watch because I don't remember why. Like, I remember my ex girlfriend flew home for Christmas and like I watched the movie The Guilt Trip on, a, on the plane. And I'm like, was it any good? I wanted to see this movie with Nora Dunn, Adam Scott, Brett Cullen, Seth Rogen, and Barbara. Seth Rogan and Barbara Streisand signed me up. Seth was Rogen it any-
2: And Barbara Streisand. Barbara Streisand hadn't headlined a movie in like fifteen. Prince of Tides. No, Mirror has two. Faces. Mirror's two faces. It's it's be I'm sorry. Mirror's it faces, was Mirror's has two. Faces. Yeah, like she was in Meet the Fockers, and that was like it. Yeah, I hadn't seen Barbara Streisand in so long.
0: I asked, "Is the movie any good?" And she said, "No," but mm-hmm. I bawled my eyes out harder than I have for like almost any movie and I can't really tell you why. And I, this is my chance to see like, okay, why was that? And I still don't know. And I don't talk to her anymore. So
3: I I don't know her relationships. There are very few mother son bonding films Uh, in road movies for sure. That's a a fantastic subject, but it's difficult to be a comedy. I mean, uh think of steve martin and john candy in mm-hmm. planes trains and automobiles uh steve martin could you know make fun of john candy and we the audience go along with that right until the end when he says you know what i like you want to make fun I of like me go ahead make fun of yeah. me it's okay i'm an yeah. easy target you want me to keep but, going And <laughs> until that moment we the audience go along with that making fun of your mother on a road trip is harder
0: to do comedic but it's it's done because he's mostly avoiding his mother because he's also on a work work trip trying to avoid her to go to all these business meetings and one of the most unrealistic out of time characters (laughs) i sell soap city to city like in the yeah i'm I'm gonna like
2: yeah i'm gonna direct pitch my stuff to costco and kmart and
0: yeah i don't think that's how any of that works Yeah. And
2: like so much of his problem is like, it's got a bad name. It's got bad packaging, but he's like, no, it stays. And it's like, dude, you're a chemist. You're not a marketer. You should be taking people's advice. And he's like,
1: no, eh." but
0: let me real quick, give this movie credit for not being as much of what I thought it was. Mm Hmm. It just isn't a bunch of schmaltz. It's not a bunch of slapstick, and it's not a bunch of making fun of Barbara Streisand for be for uh, as a generation, someone with a generational difference in being an overbearing Jewish mother. It's really more about him protecting his mother, and the whole reason he's going is to like reconnect something with both of them. And it's it's kind of alarmingly sweet and not bad. And yeah, <laughs> and,
2: I I kind of I felt like I, they have really fun chemistry together. Yeah, I mean it was it was very. Very like believable. You feel like there's some history there. You know, they play off each other really well. Mm-hmm. She's really um, good. Yeah. Turns out Barbara Streisand's a pretty good actor. Mm-hmm. But um the whole thing ended up feeling a little disposable, but it did have a good payoff, and I should have seen the payoff coming. Yeah. They set it up way early. They certainly did. And then bit. they and then I was like, ah, oh, they fucking got me. I didn't say I coming. Cause so much of it is about. Barbara Streisand had, you know, this one lost love. Like we were talking about, you know, the the one that got away, like she wanted to settle down. He didn't, so they broke up, but she named, ended up marrying another guy and named her son after him because it's still someone special to her. That, mm-hmm. Like she wants this little reminder of him in her life. And then Ooh. they are driving across the country to go find that guy. She's, you know, Seth Rogen's like, we have the internet, I'll look him up. Let's go find him. Okay, mm-hmm. there he is. Then they pay that off like really nicely. In a, a schmaltzy way that wasn't the schmaltzy way I was expecting. So it's like the whole movie's fine. It's like a BB minus. Like I wasn't mad at it. It's just sort of forgettable.
0: No, yeah. I think if you're um, in the zone for a Seth Rogen comedy and you like Barbara Streisand, and or you like Barbara Streisand, it's really cool this movie exists.
2: Yeah, but it's it's a light Seth Rogen comedy. There's yeah. no there's no dicks or farts. No, I, I
0: again I don't it's I don't. It's a really I don't friendly home comedy. Like that. That, that 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 guy's the reason why we have the boys and shit. He's a diverse in a new Ninja Turtles movie. He's a diverse man, um, mm-hmm. and I'm not just saying that because everybody thinks keeps telling me I look like him. Come on, we're both yeah. trying to lose weight. Uh, it's just because
2: you got the curly hair
0: and the glasses.
2: Yeah and, no, the um, and the gut. I saw the the golden the golden globe nominations came out, and I saw Pam and Tommy got a lot of nominations, and that made me realize that I have seen Seth Rogen jerk off in movies more than anyone, <laughs> real or fake, <laughs> in the world.
0: Yeah, no, that's that's fantastic.
3: Kay. good for him. Speaking no, of Seth, for him. Speaking
2: of Seth Rogen, speaking of Seth
0: Rogen, a Seth Rogen sequel with no Seth Rogen. I shouldn't say no, but uh, you know, spoiler. Melissa McCarthy, Chris O'Dodd, Jason Segel, John Lithgow, Albert Brooks, Charlene Yee, Megan Fox, Graham Parker, Iris Apatow, Maud Apatow, what's happening here? Leslie Mann, Paul Rudd, this is 40.
3: So what do you think? Should we have sex tonight? Ugh.
0: First came Knocked Up. I'm just really
3: constipated. Do you really want
0: to? Well, now...
3: You've been in here for like 35 minutes. Stop treating me like a child.
0: From Judd Apatow. Did you ever think marriage would get easier? You
3: can't take away the Wi-Fi. No more Wi-Fi. No,
0: it gets harder, much harder.
3: Let's just get happy. You know,
0: I brought? A cookie. I don't feel
3: anything.
0: I think this room has rodents.
3: I just saw it.
0: This is 40. <laughs> rated R. This is 40. Um, I watched this before I was 40 and afterwards, and like these people still feel way older than me
3: well they have are married and with kids chris mm. i i watched it when me and my wife had a zero year old and a two year old mm. so it was a bit of a glimpse into the future because we were still in our earlier mid-30s and then it was like what are our kids going to be like and it was very funny then it's even funnier now that my kids are roughly this age it is it's <laughs> It's a funny film. Yep. That's what I judge comedies on. The jokes land; they they're fast, they're numerous. The majority of them work. Um, there's some problems with it that I had uh, rewatching it, trying to get into it. It's they're having extreme financial problems while living in a house that is probably five million. That can solve $6 all $6 of your problems. Dollars. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. and it's kind of like, well, you're having. It's it's like that. Uh, you know, you're having rich people financial problems. It's a little, little harder. To I do like that, that
0: he started a record label in 2010 or some shit like that, and like this is all yeah. going terribly. <laughs> what, a, yeah. what an awful <laughs>
3: idea! Yeah, you you left a apparently well-paying job at a multinational corporation to start your own business in the heart of the recession. Mhm. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. Well, follow your mm-hmm. dreams but don't risk your family. And, and while the doing p- the it. period
0: where music was worth the least. Like and it was yeah. like yeah. But but I think mm-hmm. I think beyond beyond that um it's another pretty personal tale and just those mm-hmm. characters in knocked up were pretty fucking funny and the kids here mm-hmm. as much as I want to s- nepotism, blah, blah. Uh, Maude and Iris are great. Like They are fucking yeah. wonderful on-screen characters, and they clearly, they're clearly working with their mom, with their dad behind the camera. It's the same kind of joy I get from even the worst Adam Sandler movie, of which this is not that, but it's like, clearly there's a familial thing happening here, and everyone's having a good time, and it's showing up on screen.
3: Yeah, mm. I really admire how Judge Apatow didn't just continue to make... Comedies about stoner kids in their teens and twenties. He could yeah. have done that, you know, but he kept keeps trying to grow himself as an artist and speak his he, truth. He, he goes and out of his he's... way
0: to make unique stories about non superheroes, people having problems <laughs> from like uh, King of Staten Island to Amy Schumer's train wreck. It's it's always a really a, a non surreal comedy about people, and he hasn't really yeah. deviated from that. He's he's <laughs> lived up to who did he want to be? James L. Brooks. He's like Almost surpassed him in terms of his output alone.
2: Yeah, I appreciate that mm-hmm. he he's really good at having goofy things happen to people who feel grounded but not boring. My mm-hmm. complaint again, just like funny people, is like this is too damn long though. Yeah, like it feels very unfocused.
3: It doesn't need to be over two hours, but
2: yeah, you know. that's. That's just ridiculous. Just, I I'm guess, sorry. but what no.
3: jokes would you cut? You know, they're all funny jokes. There, 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 there
0: learning wasn't. learning about Judd Apatow um, through A, his books, and B, his documentaries, the man rose to fame for, from being an excellent planner. He, <laughs> he wasn't the most uh, fearless comedian. In fact, he was filled with fear, but he got good at organizing, producing, and writing, and getting shit together, and... Uh, I think if he wanted to cut something out of it, he would cut something out of it, and it wouldn't hurt him. Mm-hmm. But like, I think he wants everything he wants on screen. He wants on screen, and like, I get it. I get it.
2: I know it's hard mm. to kill your darlings. I I know your daughters. But your
0: daughters. Yeah.
2: Don't yeah. Don't literally your kill water. your daughters on screen. That's a terrible idea. Yep. And hey, again, also, Apatow has uh, a respect for Albert Brooks. Yeah. <laughs> it goes so deep, and I'm very happy. I'm always happy him popped up there and lithgow's well, fun too and all that but uh-huh. it was like i really had to talk myself into watching this because yeah i'm past 40 now and i don't have kids so that definitely changes things but i was sort of like i don't want to see my problems i want to <laughs> see something else and what was weird was my instant and my instinct was like okay i got time i'm gonna watch this do i watch this or do i watch harry and megan and i'll I was like, why would I even watch the Harry and Meghan documentary? I don't give a shit. And I realized, oh, because that's about people's problems I'll never have. Mm-hmm. But This is 40 is about yeah. problems I might have right now. And I don't want to because I'm stressed out because everything sucks.
0: <laughs> and I, I, the only thing I, I still find wonderfully funny because it does keep happening to me. And I don't know if it's a male thing, but like the
3: hiding from your family and your wife But then like, you know, there there is a scene in this where the husband goes to the bathroom and he's obviously killing time on his phone. And the wife accuses him of uh, just doing exactly that. And when that was on screen, I had a zero year old and a two year old. Yeah. And I'd be lying if I said I never did that. And so I was like laughing, but like looking out of the corner Uh... of my eye. Does she know? Does she know? (laughs) (laughs) And and
0: mine was more like a... a, a, he just, but he. She thinks he's having an affair. Follows him to what is turns out as a fantasy baseball league. Uh, my, you know, every woman I've dated like wants to do stuff together, and like, I don't know if we can play Elden Ring together, but I sort of yeah. don't want to. So, yeah, like, I, I got to hide
3: and run away and, like, make excuses and, like, leave me alone for a little bit, for yeah. fuck's sake. The, <laughs> the adult thing to do is to have a very adult conversation. I love you very much. However, I also <laughs> enjoy time by myself or times with just my friends. That doesn't mean I don't love you, but it does mean that I have these needs. That's yep. a continuous conversation with right. me and my wife. I want more alone time than she wants alone time. And I'll, like, be offering, you know... I'll watch the kids on Thursday and uh you go out and do whatever you want, and she's like, Well, I wanna spend that time with you. Well, that's that's not the point then, because I want you to give you alone time so you'll give me alone time. David, and it doesn't oh. always work that way.
2: I gotta throw a flag on this play. Sure. The fantasy baseball scene was from knocked up.
0: Oh, was it my bad? <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's hard to fucking Is tell. it really?
0: Are you sure? Sh- Okay, you could be. I'm sure you, you it would up. know. I did not watch this again uh, for the show, uh-huh. but but I think I think the movies are wonderfully complementary of each other, and I would really
3: like to see more in this. In this, we're gonna get this is fifty. Are we? Awesome. There really? is a sequel plan called Good. This Is Fifty. It's in the works right now.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. it, sh- it should be done again. I'm excited for it. So am I. And, I think you know. I love
3: these characters. I really do. Uh, yeah, and I'm, I hope I hope to see more of them. Uh, Paul Rudd is 50 guys he's in his 50s I know every, that's hard know. to believe with how he looks but yeah.
1: I
0: mm-hmm.
3: don't believe it
0: um, and then moving on to the biggest movie of the week that's sure to knock all the other movies that have ever existed it's a franchise picture with one of the biggest movie stars in the world everyone get the fuck out of the way for Robert Duvall we're another Herzog uh, Alexia uh, Fast Richard Jenkins, David Oyelowo, Rosamund Pike and Tom Cruise and Jack Reacher
3: Don't move got My uh, hand Got a car? It's outside You're very kind
2: They're like a cancer Intimidation, corruption
3: Beg for your life murder. I came here to bury him Out of the car Reacher put three men in the hospital Somebody dead, and if someone is, and they died of shame. That was being gentle. Jack Reacher. Am I right, free to go? Ah. Uh-huh. 2013. Jack Reacher.
0: This is. Uh, Jack, Reacher. Jack Reacher.
3: So Tom Cruise is investigating crimes in the military just as he was 20 oh. years ago. <laughs> except this time with a lot more running. I think he's entitled. <laughs> oh, yeah. He didn't get to run in that
0: movie. It's a shame.
3: Uh, so I'm actually uh, mildly miffed. I mm-hmm. uh, watched the first half hour of this and then I just ran out of time and I wasn't able to
1: oh. finish
3: it. But the trailers made it seem like Mission Impossible 17. But it looks to me like it's a crime thriller or a mystery film with yeah. bursts yes. of action. Yes, I'm exactly. That. I, w- I would like to finish this. I just ran out of time.
2: I, I totally recommend this. Um, really? It does have problems if you are a fan of the Jack Reacher novels, of which there are 25. And Whoa! it's kind of amazing that it took this long for this to finally be on screen. I think the author was being very particular and was not happy that it was Tom Cruise, who's like 5'7 mm. or something. Five, seven. And the character like is like 6'5. He's supposed to be yeah. a hulking giant man. It should have been Michael Shannon. But. Ooh. It's some ways it's kind of more fun that it isn't the giant hulking man. This is like just a little guy because he he's like a human chainsaw. Like he's just people fuck with him. He puts him in the hospital. People fuck with him. He puts him in the hospital. He is an unstoppable force of nature when he is pissed off and they go and they piss him off because this starts with a mass shooting, which they canceled the premiere because of we mm. had a mass shooting last week.
0: Uh, but maybe don't put a about, mass shooting in your movie because you, I think like eight uh, times out of the year there'll be a reason why you can't release it
2: yeah you gotta push it back yeah. and, um, or gun yeah, control but, but, with,
0: but that's, that's stop that's just with this
2: mass You're shooting going. and it seems like it's an open and shut case this guy but then um, that guy's like oh Jack Reacher can clear me and Jack Reacher shows up and he's like no fuck that guy because he's done mass shootings before only it was in Iraq and then it's like Who was the? Was this a really a random shooting, or was it a, a, you know, was it a targeted thing, and it was made to look like a mass shooting? And then there's lots of investigations, and then they get to fucking Werner Herzog.
0: Unbelievable casting. Just
2: just doing a straight up acting gig, which Mm -hmm. is so strange. He is so good as like an incredibly memorable guy. He's only called the Zek, which means the prisoner in Russian, Mm -hmm. and. He has this like monologue talking about being in a Siberian prison and biting off his own fingers to get out of work duty. Jesus. That kind of sticks with you. Kind of, kind of sticks with you. You start to imagine, all right, what does that feel like? To- oh, dear God. But yeah, as a basically a detective movie with some bar fights in it, mm-hmm. it's really good. I've heard the sequel, not so much. But yeah, J- Jack Reacher, the 2012 one. <laughs> I was really pleasantly huh. surprised, and uh, it's directed by Christopher McQuarrie. That's
0: what I wanted to mention. As that as,
2: becomes a team like no other,
0: right? They're they're one of the most interesting movie star. What do you, creator? Because w- whether or not he's directing what Tom Cruise is, and he's usually writing it uncredited or accredited, uh, and has yeah. ever since this movie, he wrote Valkyrie, but like, uh, right. but this is the first time he directs Tom Cruise, and he, their movies have been, I have. I'm not vouching for the mummy here, but mm. Mission Impossible, the last two, and that Top Gun movie, I don't care at all about Top Gun. That last Top Gun movie is amazing. Their partnership mystifies me and like, I, I think is weirdly beautiful because they've done things alone, and I don't care for them. And when they do things he, together, I really like it.
2: He didn't do Top Gun. That was the Trump nope, legacy He guy. wrote it. Oh, he wrote... You're yes. right, he wrote it. Yeah. He wrote it. I am extremely pumped for the next two Bish possible movies. Me
0: too. And it Holy is such shit. a
2: weird pairing of the guy that, the guy that wrote the usual suspects yeah. and Tom fucking Cruz all this time later are just like, they just gel. Best they just butts. know what they're doing.
0: And it, not to go yeah. through this again, my Bond rankings, Skyfall up here, right underneath it, Mission Impossible, Fallout, then the other <laughs> Bond movies. Mission Mission Impossible Fallout is a better Bond than Spectre. It's fucking great.
2: Yep. Ugh. So yeah, no, I was I, kind of like, oh, I don't give a yeah, shit about Jack. I, I couldn't Richard. get this to is this. Some da- this is a bunch of dad books, and then I watched it. and I was like,
0: dude, that was cool. One but of like, <laughs> I think one of the shitty things about being in the Tom Cruise business, which is one of the few things Paramount has as like a franchise to rely on, is the man's a slow franchise maker. He's not going to put out a movie every two years, and I'm no, pretty I sure feel like it. I, I'm pretty sure they were gearing up. This is supposed to be our bond. We got 25 stories to adapt. Let's get to it. Tom's not making anything until 2025. Oh, God. Oh, God. He's become disinterested or- in this franchise, and there's nothing we can do.
3: I, I, for one, am looking forward to Top Gun 3 in 2052.
0: <laughs> if anybody could do it, if anybody could do it, he's flying around his corpse up there, just a wheelchair behind an F 14. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, that movie is so good. By the way, I'm so, I, again, oh, it's just of it's, it was yeah. one of my
3: best films of uh, this year. It's it, unbelievably it was, good.
0: It's, Don't yeah. care about the first Top Gun at all or Jets. That movie's great, uh, and I love Mish Posh. But I, yeah, I, did, I didn't get to see this. I just wanted to talk about the partnership of Chris and McQuarrie, Edge of Tomorrow. They even worked on the Mummy together. Um, yeah. Sort of born right here. Uh, let's move on to television of 2012 because uh, there's a lot of stuff ending that you may or may not look forward to. Um, Gossip Girl ends on the CW. Oh, no. So guess
3: how many international adaptations there there, are. Oh,
0: 19. Is it about women who talk too much? I don't think that translates. It's
2: about teenagers who backstab each other.
3: I
0: have no idea what it's about. I'm sorry.
3: There's a Turkish adaptation called Little Secrets, Mm -hmm. the Chinese adaptation called China Girl, the mexican adaptation called acapulco gossip girl there's the <laughs> thailand. Gossip girl, acapulco,
2: Ghost, acapulco.
3: <laughs> there's the thailand version just called gossip girl thailand there's the indonesian version called gossip girl indonesia so oh my god that's a lot of people going let's adapt this show about Horrible people in high school. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but one of the things they, I haven't seen a lot of this. One of the things that did impress me about that is these people are horrible, god awful little monsters in high schools. But then when they're alone with their parents, they're just kids. They're just kids stumbling mm-hmm. around trying to find their way and they're frightened and scared. And that's a big reason they're lashing out. I, 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 I haven't seen much of it the only teen drama i ever really watched religiously was buffy the vampire slayer and that's just because there were monsters but um i watched too much of like teen drama this is up there apparently i was a little i did watch the late teen drama of
0: jersey shore because it was it was nice to finally Uh. see my people represented on television i just you know (laughs) Long neck, uh, great neck, uh, Long Island folks represented on MTV. Finally, Jersey Shore it ends on MTV after God, five uh,
3: wildly lucrative seasons. Holy shit! My wife is from Jersey, and uh, she, you know, uh, could not watch any of this because she <laughs> knew people like this. Oh, yeah. To me, <laughs> these are all alien creatures from Mars who I do not understand at all. Like there is vocabulary you have to know to watch this show. Like mm-hmm. yep. I'll I'll do a quiz. Grenade. Uh that's a girl you gotta dive on because
0: she's gonna blow up just a fucking ugly chick. I've watched the show. You don't <laughs> you don't have to <laughs> okay mm-hmm. GTL. Uh Gym tan laundry. Jim
2: Tan Laundry. Jim tan I know that is...
0: one it, guys <laughs> I watched <laughs> my, the first se- my, the first my, season my opened with a girl being punched bald. in the face.
2: I've never yeah. watched this show. I have ever haven't. okay <laughs> and this uh, is uh, I still know this.
0: It, Smoosh.
3: Is that not fucking? That is fucking. Okay, it's like smash. Uh,
0: the shirt before the shirt. Don't know what that is, what? but it sounds rapey.
3: It's a shirt you put on while getting ready to go out before you wear the shirt you actually are going to wear the night you are going. Oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> is it,
0: that's something you do. Uh, it's probably something you do when cameras are on you. Meatball. I mean, everybody on this show. Yeah. yeah. Well, a woman who
3: is short and stout, like Snooki. Oh, Snooki. Uh, she she I, does I, I, she does I, look a bootleg I didn't I don't get the world where these people look good. You know I mean I their tanning thing. They have mm, wrinkles in their twenties. Yeah.
0: I don't Jay I don't I don't believe people watch the show because they thought they look good. It's because they were freaks and and these and but these I, these,
3: I don't know. I feel like people copy this. I think you're giving people I don't too think so. credit. No, no one ever no? had
0: Paulie D's hair like that didn't that didn't happen like uh no one no one really emulated these people they were just like kind of like even in a, um a, a, what would you call it like a post social media sensitive era these are people you can freely make fun of white trash via jersey you, there was no shame in it there was no there was no shame in it at all that nobody was saying like uh, you don't know what the you don't know what the great neck long island people have been through <laughs> like no no one was saying anything like that no one gave a shit
3: i i heard a myth i don't know if it's true but it's too delicious to not repeat mm-hmm. that uh louis vuitton used to send snoochie Snooki. gucci purses so that she would walk around <laughs> with their rivals and people would thank low-class people like Gucci it's purses funny. and not Louis Vuitton. I don't know if that's true, but it should be. It's I hope it
2: is. That's I, clever.
3: Yeah, I feel like I, I feel like this is
0: one of the last young reality shows that genuinely made people long-term famous. The, these people were not flashes yeah. in the pan, mm-hmm. have stuck around in the cultural zeitgeist, and if you have not looked at MTV's schedule, I'm sure a lot of hay has been made about, this is, uh, oh my God, why am I forgetting the name of the show? What's uh, what's Rob Dietrich's show? The uh, uh, not punked uh, ridiculousness, ridiculousness, all wall to wall. And then once a week at ten o'clock, there is a New Jersey Shore with the same cast that they okay. brought back. Nope. Really, La- they last brought I looked cats? at their schedule, they brought them back over and over again. Like like MTV's primetime block outside of ridic- ridiculousness and old Adam Sandler movies is primarily based on things with the last name Shore, whether it's Floribama Shore or. Would they try to do the same thing with like Southern trash, mm. but uh yeah, this is what MTV is now, and I, I don't like These it.
3: Guys have got to be either forty or close to it, and yeah. I don't get yeah. the young MTV audience being going no, like and, and, like yeah, I, 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 I don't want to. Pauls is I, I, the situation is forty years old.
0: I don't <laughs> want to go off too much on like every channel is free to drift and change. But MTV depresses me the most because I didn't grow up in the music video era of MTV. I grew up in the youth-defining animation, comedy show, talk show, Tom Green, Jackass, Beavis and Butthead, The State, The Max, all this crazy awesome shit in the midst of this music scene. And like, this is what defines MTV now. Adam Sandler movies on the weekend, reality shows about, you know- Terrible people. Terrible people.
3: (laughs) Fine, but that doesn't seem like the teen audience I still associate MTV with. The teen for, audience again, is not on basic cable television anymore. They're no on. Okay. They're, They're on the TikToks. Yeah, this TikTok. I mean, I'm not on basic. I do hate TikTok. I really do with a passion. Oh, come yeah. on. Oh wait, I guess if oh, you don't Oh, it's horrible. Uh I'm horribly addicted because 12-year-old child who watches an hour of a scripted drama behaves incredibly different from a twelve year old child who watches an hour of TikTok videos one after the other. Yeah, it, why did I
0: have to wait an hour them. for a, a crescendo moment here? I get one every seven seconds when this guy gasps every time a balloon blows up in frozen weather. It yeah. like <laughs> that's my impression yeah, that's of everybody on TikTok. <gasps> <Yeah. laughs> um anyway moving you should on make a TikTok video <gasps> um everybody <laughs> also out this week how i met your mother the final page is this the last episode yeah. or
3: this no. is not the final episode of the series this is when barney proposes to robin barney? and this was a really good direction for his character it really showed a great amount of growth it was a natural endpoint for him they were the couple that really should have gone together and then they throw that all away next season, in, mm. in 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 because they had an ending written eight years ago, and they didn't realize that you can actually change things you wrote eight years ago. They just stuck with the original ending, even though their storylines went off in directions they didn't expect. Mm. Well, that's hmm.
0: uh, well, I am still not up on that show, and I appreciate uh, you you and Sarah like both sung its praises quite a bit. Uh, Robot Chicken. Which I think at this point may be Adult Swim's longest running show. Um, Maybe. Maybe. Um, I can't think what else it would be. Uh, yeah, because they canceled Aqua Teen and Space Ghost and all that stuff. Uh, yeah, Venture Brothers is somewhere. Never mind. But uh, what do we have? The uh, ATM Christmas, the uh, Robot Chicken's ATM Christmas special. What does ATM
3: mean? Mm-hmm. I hope it's automatic teller machine and not the other. Oh God. <laughs> Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy! Christmas! Yay! Jingle bells, moms in tears, what is going on? Everybody be cool, we've just been robbed! Bastards even took the tree! What could the black market value on a rapidly browning Douglas fir possibly be? No... no presents? Oh, honey, it's totally fine. We're gonna have pretend Christmas! Open it. It's uh, a... it's just a mint on card version two, what? snake eyes from 1985 with an AFA grade of 99.
1: This got stolen. <laughs> a- oh God! Oh,
3: so it, it's the nerd versus the Grinch. Um, yeah. Man. But I, I did love the quote of "What is the value of a used Christmas tree on yeah. Christmas Day?" I mean, if you if you stole a Christmas tree on like December 30th maybe you could sell it. But if you steal it on Christmas day, you know what? Day, I, no one's going to buy that.
0: I was like we all were this week watching uh, Bad Moms Christmas on Netflix. And uh they stole they stole a foot a, a tree out of a Foot Locker and all the employees in slow motion come chasing after them and I was like if I worked there I would not give a shit and I would not chase after anybody who stole our Christmas tree. That shit is gone and it doesn't matter. Who who <laughs> cares? So let's, you know, Let's see if our users, home experiment, see if you can steal a Christmas tree this year. Uh, tag Diana in it uh, on, on Twitter. Let's see if Elon Musk deems that worthy of banning. Uh, uh,
1: all
2: of this means nothing to me compared to the most important thing that happened this week in the history of everything ever.
0: How? This? And it's Paul Rudd's fault. Wait, what is this, though? Give me some context. You know
2: damn clip. well what Play this is. All right. Paul Rudd's going on Conan, and he brought a clip of his movie.
3: He brought okay. a clip of "This Let's Is look 40. Look at this Clip from "This Is 40. Oh, Okay.
0: Michael looks awful. Yeah, I was going to say. Well, so many people are just yeah. used to it. You know,
3: that's the guy who does triumph. <laughs> How many times have you shown that clip on this show over the years? Well, we just shot that. This <laughs> uh, yeah, I
0: Yeah, I was wondering why this is here because it's not the first. Um, no
3: but when else are we going to talk about it you know uh,
0: 2004 where it, I love that it started because he told Conan and I think he was in on it, but like he was on the last episode of Friends. He's like, I brought a clip. and like, no one's supposed to see anything about this. You wrote, you brought a clip? And then it was the Mac and me thing. And like, <laughs> as I was, I think I was watching it live and I'm the only person who's seen Mac and me
3: twice in the theater. So like, I, the right. clip really worked for me. I love the MSG 3K version of Mac and me. Uh, nice. Just, uh, so, so pretty nice. So, so
0: good.
2: good. Yeah. And I love how over the years, every time, Paul Rudd is a really convincing. First, yeah, I'm definitely have the real clip. No, I wouldn't do that to you. That's such a dumb joke. I wouldn't. Do, not on your final episode, Conan. I mean, come on. What do you think? What kind of person do you think I am? Like very heartfelt. Cut to the Mac and Me clip. <laughs> okay. Every fucking time. Come
3: on. There's no way Conan doesn't know. Okay, Paul Rudd's on because right, the the, the first
0: me. time, if you watch the first clip, he's laughing along because he knows what's going to happen. And as the, as the bit gets longer, he pretends to be upset, but come on, you know, it's not real. And like, it's so not real. Like I counted, he's Paul Rudd has done this to Conan 12 times. If you include on his podcast, which nobody brings <laughs> clips to, to, to show uh, and play live of except on our shows. So, yes, uh, love Paul. Lo- apparently, this was all Paul Rod's idea. That's what I really think is the most funny about it. He knew Mac and me was funny before everybody else did. Uh, and then moving on to games of 2012. I didn't look at this ahead of time. Blah. Uh, great game that I'm. A little too close to Street Fighter across Mega Man releases for free on PC.
3: How did this happen?
0: I think a young, very young, college age, I forget his name, nice guy, Brazilian designer presented it to the vice president of Capcom USA. He's like, This is rad. We should put this out. Weren't able to secure a budget of, of a regular game because like just to get a game certified on like a PlayStation is like a six-figure endeavor. But put real producers and staff on it, like let's finish this out. Uh, yeah, and if you go look up the trailer, uh, yeah, I single-handedly made the trailer, and nice. it's it might be the most seen thing on YouTube I, that I can lay claim to because it's got millions of. It's a it's a really fun trailer. He he made the graphics, but like I I put everything together, and a uh, bunch of us kind of like. A bunch of us at Capcom treated this like it was a real thing that we were putting out and like put the regular team behind it and re- were able to release it free on Windows in time for Mega Man's anniversary.
3: So yeah. Uh, I don't get why more companies don't do this, why they don't just have a little more fun and and throw their guys together. I, I think because... you,
0: you you there's a lot of people who make fan versions of games, and let's say Nintendo, for instance, that's an instant C and D. Don't ever yeah. make a copy of our game, but like you know, there's better ways to lean into that that don't cut into your bottom line. But you also, it's a it's a tricky task to encourage people to use your intellectual property in ways they might profit profit off of, because then if you have to shut it down, you're going to look like the bad guy. And uh, there's a there's a myriad of reasons why that could happen. But uh, th- this is something that I thought was really great. It is a Mega Man game where instead of eight. This man, that man, it is all Street Fighter characters, and they are great, endowed with great their concept. Street Fighter abilities, and you can gain those, and uh, really wanted to see a just a little not serious fighting game come out of it, but I'm not sure it ever did. Yeah, but just a, a really amazing feat by pretty much you know one guy in the development, and it was almost, it, it, yeah, really, it, someday somebody else will be able to tell a more interesting story about it, I'm sure, <laughs> um, but I am not that guy today. Uh, moving on to wait, not, we got to tell you who lived and who died during all this. Cause man, oh, I'm looking ahead. That's one of the, that's a huge bummer and it rhymes with bummer. <laughs> <laughs> and we got to plug our Patreon, patreon.com slash laser time. We're doing extra shows for you over there all the time. Got hundreds of old shows. If you like the show, this show, plenty of other stuff. It's an easy incentive to support us. Give us five bucks. We'll try and give you hundreds of hours of extra content just to incentivize A cup of coffee to your your friends at Thirty Twenty Ten helps us uh, compensate ourselves and keep our equipment up to date, hosting all that stuff. It's not free. Um, And Diana, where can people find you at?
2: They can find me on the Twitter for now at Listener Nerd L E C I N E N E R D. Or follow the show at Thirty Twenty Ten Podcast, the three zero two zero one zero podcast. Coming up next week, finally, Ice T and Ice Cube are going to be in a movie together. Thank God. Also, the most beautiful Jet Li movie you have ever seen. Okay, We got DiCaprio again, five days apart between Gangs of New York and this movie. One he's working with Scorsese, one he's working with Spielberg. I think this one we're going to talk about is the better movie of course, by a lot. Mm-hmm. And if that weren't enough, Jennifer Lawrence is going to get an Oscar... Fucking Russell Crowe is gonna sing at us.
0: Oh boy! Oh god! And
2: Quentin Tarantino <laughs> is going to murder a bunch of slave owners.
0: Yay! <laughs> yeah. You never get tired of watching that movie. Uh, 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 yeah. Jr. wants to I... plug uh, vigil of Apocalypse, which is ending its Game of the Year territory. And I'm shitting all over Jr.'s plug, but I'm doing it on behalf of Mr. Diana Goodman, Michael Raparez, and Maddie Allen because we've been working really hard and diligently getting that done. If you don't listen, it's it's kind of a long endeavor. Just to talk about our favorite games of the year, and we gather a bunch, of, a bu- bunch of
3: past uh, and present guests uh, for the shebang. Yeah. That is going to be talking about good games, but next week on Thirty Twenty Ten, we are going to be talking about hey. the worst Simpson game of all time.
0: Okay, Ooh. I'm I'm miffed here because I've played s- almost all of them, and ninety percent of them I wouldn't recommend to Nazis. Like it's they're they're all really bad. Oh. <laughs> Well, Diana, who died during this period?
2: Oh, man. We lost so many ones. What the hell? You can't held out for Christmas? Come on. 1992, we lost Albert King. That's a blues legend. You might have heard of his brother, BB. He was 69.
0: Nice. Uh, oh.
2: We lost Dana Andrews, who is a classic film actor, uh, Best Years of Our Lives, Laura. He was 83. Mm. And Stella Adler, who is 90, who is a legendary acting teacher. Yes every like my god she just taught fucking everybody and then in 2002 we lost joe strummer of the clash he was only 50 undiagnosed heart defect
0: unfair the clash might be my favorite band of all time and the idea that there is no way for them to tour in their twilight years is stupid and ridiculous fucking Mm. sucks
2: it was so fucking sick. I was shocked. Like, what Me the too. he's only fucking 50. What
0: yep. the hell? I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm almost as old as Joe Strummer. It makes no fucking oh. sense.
2: No. And then in 2012 is when we lost Daniel Inoue, who is 88. This guy's life was insane. Uh, let's see. So he lived, he was of Japanese descent. He lived in Hawaii. He witnessed the Pearl Harbor bombing. Jesus. He, uh, ended up he he volunteered for the army he ended up in the 442 which is a unit made up of japanese americans who had i think like the highest casualty rate like they had shit to prove they're called the go for broke where's Came that back. where's that
0: tarantino movie give it to me
2: give, i am waiting give it for it to someone me. to make a go for broke movie i am not joking give it to it's me. an amazing story uh, anyway, he lost his arm in Italy fighting for the U.S., came back, faced a whole bunch of racism because because uh, he's Japanese-American and people fucking blow. So he's like, to- screw you guys. I'm going to become a senator. And he was a senator from Hawaii for 50 goddamn years. Wow. Eat shit. Wow. Racists.
0: I'll talk to some yeah. people in Italy. See if we can get a – talk about that arm. Get it back.
2: Yeah, get it, get it back,
0: yeah, man. Yeah, Maybe we'll find uh, an arm. Well, who knows? Who knows?
2: Yeah, it is – an incredible guy, just mm-hmm. kind of one, of one of my heroes. And if you fly anywhere in Hawaii, you're going through NUA Air- Airport in Honolulu. So.
0: All right. R.I.P. Mister uh And with that out of the way, people who died must give way to people who lived. With the, the quiz. <laughs>
3: birthday is a Turning sixty. Sixty. Born in Ipswich, England. That's not real. December twenty-second. 1962.
2: An Easterner.
3: Mm -hmm. Eldest child of a photographer and the writer Jennifer Lash. His family moved to Ireland in 1973. Uh, He attended Salisbury in England but went on to pursue painting at Chelsea College of Arts before deciding that acting was his true passion. Mm
1: -hmm. He is an
3: avid fan of professional wrestling ...often attending live events, and he has been known to dress up as his favorite wrestlers. What? He is quoted as saying he loves the athleticism and showmanship of the sport. Is it Jon Stewart? No. Oh. That's a Brit. He made his film debut playing Heathcliff in Wuthering Heights, a 1992 Mm -hmm. film we've yet to talk about due to uh, being released in England. He was in *Made in Manhattan*, *The End of the Affair*, oh. *Red Dragon*.
2: Ray Fiennes, Ray Fiennes. Boyce,
3: yes. Damn it, Ray Fiennes. Ray Fines
2: likes wrestling? Hell yeah,
3: Diana. Now you got to take a look. <laughs> yeah. got to uh, Oh my god. You're not
0: laughing at my Undertaker Christmas ornament now, are you?
3: Uh, the other films of his we've talked about include uh, *Prince of Egypt*. And, of course, all the Harry Potter films Yes, that he was in. Oh,
2: my goodness. Wow. I was about to say, wait, I thought his debut was the Lawrence of Arabia sequel, but I think that was made for TV.
0: Mm. Yes. More like, more like wow. Lawrence of My Labia. Yeah.
2: Damn.
0: <laughs> Refans.
2: It is so fun to say his name like that. Raffens. I don't know why you started doing it, but I, I, I do it, it now, too. Refans. Like your French
0: Refines.
2: Refines. Uh
0: yeah good I, on him I'm
2: trying to picture him like dress as macho man Randy Savage and it's like holy oh, yeah. it's like making everything break like reality is t- tearing itself apart
0: I don't even want to do the show anymore I just want to look up collages of <laughs> Refines as Roman Reigns that's the so <laughs> um, oh my god uh, anyway we gotta end the show here thank you guys so much for watching hey Watch Lord of the Rings. It'll uh, really it, it's so Christmassy to me. Like being excited for Lord of the Rings. Um oh, I always
3: associate it with christmas because yeah. that's
0: when I saw him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and you know, there's no Harry Potter movies in this show to talk about, so so pick that one why not? Why don't uh, yeah. you? Uh could be a lot worse off. What was the movie you talk- Toys, Toys yeah. Toys do like uh that that is I'm not saying I don't recommend it. I'm just saying that is like advanced. Uh, advanced placement 30 20, 10 homework. <laughs> like, you you, sh- you, shouldn't walk into that, like, not knowing what you're in for.
2: And releasing it at Christmas seems cynical. A movie <laughs> called Toys.
0: Yeah. Uh,
2: I see what you're up to there.
0: Anyway. And, uh, uh, well, patreon.com slash laser time. Listen to Vigging Apocalypse Laser Time, bonus time, 80s in depth, six Star Wars on our Patreon. Uh, what are we closing out with, Dee?
2: I thought we'd close out with. Um, As I always look through the charts from 1992 to close us out, because there's so much music then. And obviously, I Will Always Love You has been number one and will be number one for months, so I've got a poll from there. And I saw I'd Die Without You by PM Dawn is like in the top 10 this week. That's from the Boomerang soundtrack from June.
0: It's a good song. Wow.
2: And it's a wonderful song. It's a song. I really like PM Dawn. I've listened to a whole bunch of their stuff now because I'd forgotten about it. But a soundtrack from June. Yeah, the different, time.
3: different time. I mean, different, different world. Time. If
0: you're watching MTV now, that Boys to Men song has not left. You're still looking at boomerang footage.
2: <clears throat> nope. Uh, and music videos. God damn. All
0: right. So, with that out of the way, we have to close down the show. Thank you so much for listening. Tell a friend. We love it. We'll see you next week.
1: Is it my turn? Understand To watch you walk out of my life And I do a damn thing Whoa. If I'm give away Every feeling that I feel yeah. If I'm to sacrifice oh, Whatever baby Whatever baby If I'm to take apart All that I am for anything that I Baby